0: The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, and isn't football a funny old game. Forty game unbeaten runs are all well and good, but seeing that run getting pumped at Tanadice, fans back for the first time since March last year, is nothing short than incredible. The Dundee United roller coaster is well and truly underway. you can join the conversation on our socials, we're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up
1: on this week's episode Rangers Review,
0: Air Preview, Fans Are Back,
1: The Women's Team, Rumour Mill, Lottery, Loan Report, Games Are Goals, On This Day with the Arab Archive, and Paddy Connolly is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 107 of the Dode Fox Podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Ryan Gold. You're listening to the Dode Fox Podcast.
0: so welcome back to the award-winning dude fox podcast and this week might be just a little bit easier than last week's episode just a tad just a little bit saturday football well and truly back Early kick off, and I think as most people thought, throughout the week, your weekend might have been ruined. by maybe quarter to one, or two o'clock, or half past two. But that wasn't it to be. Uh, after all the turmoil we've went through last week, and what we watched, and what we spoke about on this podcast, and what people have said on social media, could you have even thought you're a witness that yesterday? And the what? No incredible
1: it was, every, it was every bit of incredible it, it, it truly truly was
0: yeah and uh, having the fans in I mean what a massive massive difference Uh before we obviously touch on the game so do you want to tell us what time your kind of time slot and all that was and how it was getting in all good have you been fine
1: uh, yes yeah, so my, my time slot was between 11.30 and 11.45 And I got down to Tanadice at about 11.35 and the gates weren't open anywhere that I could see. So I walked along Sandamon Street, so the gates at the shed weren't open. There was an awful lot of people mulling about outside because they had obviously went out there a lot of time and couldn't get in. And I was just thinking, this is just typical. (laughs) We can't even open gates on time these days. But that, but that got quickly sorted. Uh, we all got in, made our way to our seats. Uh, it, it felt, it felt like a, no, am not going to say a cup final, but it felt like a cup atmosphere because, although you were back home and although it was a home game and it was only a league game, and it, it was the first, it was the first time that we were all getting in for months and months and months. But the fact that you weren't actually getting a sit in your are in sit, you were sitting with different folk and. It just felt different. It didn't feel like an ordinary league game, which I suppose that's all it was when you boil it down. But it was uh, it was just magnificent uh, for the uh, for getting in, for speaking to a few mates, and then to the game starting. It was it was fantastic.
0: Obviously, depending on what group chat you're in, you hear a lot of rumours, giving teams and, and all that kind of stuff. And the team came out half past eleven. Two changes, Chalmers in for Shankland, he's nowhere to be seen, Fuchs in for Reynolds. How, yeah? Uh, what was your thoughts when you seen that? My
1: initial thought was, well that's it, we'll not be seeing Shankland again. That, that was the first thing that I thought of. Uh, and then when you hear a closer look, I was thinking, okay, looks like back for the day. Uh, and Fuchs obviously being back in the team is, uh, to me it's a no-brainer, I mentioned it last week. Uh, he's in, he's maybe the first name on my team sheet uh, so yeah it looked like a change of system to me until I was watching the warm up and I think it was Liam Fox that was taking Edwards Mulgrew and Butcher for hitters and when I was watching them, kind of working on that with him I thought we're going three at the party what, what's going on here uh, but it wasn't to be it wasn't to be so yeah first thought was purely Shanklin's not there we've probably seen the last of him but delighted that Fuchs was back. Not surprised that Reynolds was uh, left on the bench. And
0: like I say, the big thing was, you know, starting with a four at the back. And I'm not sure... This got mentioned last night. I think it was Mark as I mentioned it to him. He said it looked like we started with a three at the back but within about 90 seconds it wasn't of that and I wasn't really sure because mm. I actually missed the very first tackle you know there was a foul given after about 10 seconds or something Yeah, because yeah. i cause I'd turned around to put stuff down microphones down and everything, so I hadn't even seen that happen so I don't know if it, it did change but certainly the way we sort of lined up and then you're going you know it's a 4-5-1 when we've no got the ball it's a 4-3-3 three, three when we've got it but it was so so effective you know for the start of yeah. the game and, and and how we started, but just these wee things like that first foul after about ten seconds, right away, crowds on your side. Crowd are up for yeah. it for the for the get go. Whether it's the mm. pure excitement, like you said, no being there or feeling like a, a cup final or whatever, but you just got right back into it, I imagine, given that's what I was seeing for the opposite side. You were just buzzing yeah, for it. No,
1: of course, it was it was as incredible as it was bizarre, because when you think about it, if, if this is an, a normal world, pre-COVID or anything like that, and the Rangers come to Tannadice, like there's United all back in the day, we, we will fill the the allotted seats that we get, and depending on where the game goes, like it could be as quiet as a library at times. You just oh, you're hearing is the 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 hordes of them singing their songs. Uh, but the fact that there was only four and a half thousand in that ground yesterday, I don't know what it was like for your point of view. But it was just a great atmosphere. It felt really loud. Like I was in the Fox, obviously, and there was a couple of times where I got caught up in a song, which is very unusual for that stand. But it just, it just felt more than it was. You know, I, I know there was only four and a half thousand, but it was just the, the atmosphere generated by. Uh, the bubbles of 15, 12, 6, 2, whatever, people were sitting in. I had a look at the shed, there was maybe a bubble of about 300 in the middle, I'm thinking. But it was just incredible. There, it really, really was. And for the get-go, uh, they were in Rangers, the Rangers' players' faces. Uh, I think the manager touched on it, and we'll maybe speak about the manager in a wee bit, but he touched on it in a, a pretty much press conference, maybe through the week or something, where and I watched it sceptically, I'm, I'm not going to lie, when he was like, ah, we're going to start on the front foot, we're going to be uh, full of energy, we're going to get writing about them. And at the time I was like, "Yeah, no bother, <laughs> I'm sure that is the plan, whether or not that actually materialises, uh, I have my doubts about that. But that's exactly the way it panned out. So everything that he planned, everything that the, that was put in place for the team to do that, it worked in absolute T.
0: Yeah, and listen, you, you're on about the fans and the atmosphere, certainly because, you know, the fans are not just in one stand. Because they are spread out, it's going to generate yeah. that... All around the ground, yeah. of noise. Mm. Uh, well, what was it, was it like, for your point that's, of view? It's amazing, especially at the two Huns that were in front of me. It was amazing. <laughs> it was class. I loved it. Um, <laughs> I, I had the, uh, the Ranger social media team just, just sort of doing it in front, and then I'd, I'd spoke to him before it, said, "Can what do you expect after... Like during the week no being great and he says well he, his words were kind of like well we need to obviously bounce back but I'm surprised he's made so many changes mm-hmm. or surprised he changed it and he was saying like nah, we're changing defence, we're changing the keeper round, you know we shouldn't have be doing that and then at half time he's going he said and I said "I says, this is chalk and cheese for last week, he says "Ah, you were pretty poor last week and I was like oh uh, understatement, I says what, what do you think, he's like well you've been brilliant you know, type thing, and he says, we've not been great, he says, but you have been brilliant, and then yeah. at full time, he just, he was like, oh, Yo, you absolutely deserved that, absolutely mm. deserved that, and, you know, yeah. like say, it's the 1st defeat 41 games, you know what I mean, it was mm. just incredible, and the first half, like you say, it was important to get in about them, and that's exactly what happened, you know, we were writing about it, and, uh, you know, and uh, the other end, bodies on the line, you know, um, look, you have to do that, you have <sighs> to do that against them though,
1: but the thing is, like, as you say, and as the, the boy for the Ranger social media said, it was deserved. I mean, I, I've not listened back to the radio or whatever. I don't know what their take was on it. But it, it wasn't was like a breakaway where we were under the cosh for 89 minutes and we broke up the field, lucky deflection. We did get a lucky deflection on the pass. I'll give you that. But that was a fully mirrored three points, I felt. I really, really did. And it's not because, <laughs> I'll, I'll use the words, it's not because we hemmed them in or anything like that, but every man played almost to their maximum. I mean, performance-wise, Nicky Clark, he'll probably think that he, he maybe could have had a better game. But see, the effort the boy put in, couldn't have fought that. Couldn't have fought that. Maybe a touch here and a touch there wasn't coming off for him. I don't know kind of what height is he uh, He is. sorry. He wins every, every ban here. Yeah. Every ban here. And I wish some of the teammates around him would, would realise that he's going to win more than his fair share of headers because when the ball's getting launched up to him and he's flicking it on, because he's the furthest man up the park, there, was, there wasn't anybody gambling on him actually winning these things. But uh, yeah, everybody was superb yesterday. There was not a, a weakness in our team at all. Everybody worked their arse off. The only time that I could have punched somebody in the throat was Liam Smith when he tried a Amazie in front of his own box in the second half and he had about 17 different opportunities to get rid of the bar, and he thought nah, nah, I'm just going to do a day on FIFA I'm just going to dribble past Abdi
0: he had the new just baits on away. though did he? he had the new white baits on oh. he was keen for it um, and I think he had them on the right feet at that point <laughs> um, there was obviously a, a chance uh, that they were going to break away and mm-hmm. Charlie Mulgrew just seemed to slip and Morelos fell over. Was the heart in the mouth a little bit when that happened? When the referee came over? No,
1: no. I, I, because Edwards was right there. Mm. No, I don't. I don't know. No, Edwards was right there. Like, and I'll. That that's my take on it. Uh, but I have watched sports Team and uh, one of Rangers' biggest fans, Shelly Kerr, and even McFadden, big Celtic fan, that they, they both thought he was lucky not to get sent off. Yeah. And by the looks on your face, I I think.
0: I purely think see because Edwards has got then the ball and smashed the ball in the stand. Yeah. I don't know if that's played a part because if Morello stays on his feet, he takes a touch and he's through. Like Edwards, is no catching him. He's no catching him. But it's a foul that I would be hoping your center house would be making. You know, like they need to take of him down. It
1: was a it was a good foul,
0: and I, and I, I thought that I mean, could be as cynical as you like. The problem was. We've seen this movie before when Tavernier lines up a free kick, but didn't yeah. threaten at all, really, you know, in that first half uh, for what it was. And, you know, we had, you know, they were they were always going to have chances. You know, they had a couple of chances. But oh. Benji wasn't a massively busy, I wouldn't say. you had one no, really no. saving the second half. But
1: and the, th- and the thing is, Ron, we had a go. I felt that like we had a go at them. So they're definitely going to get chances mm. because it's not like we sat back and just thought, hey, we're just going to defend here. We're just going to play a flat-back game, which I was shouting for last Sunday in a fit of rage. We didn't do that. We had to go. Peter Pollock was exceptional yesterday. He, he got up the park so many times. So, the, also the way that we played, it was very narrow when we were defending, which was causing me a, a bit of concern, I had to be honest, because Tavernier and I think it's Barisic or whatever his name is doing the other side, these boys can deliver a bar on a sixpence. And... I think their strategy was to try and cut the ball out if you actually get into them. But in the process of swamping the middle of the park, well, we're leaving them fairly wide open at times. And, you know, it's risk and reward again. That's probably a, a phrase that I'm going to say a lot because I heard Sean Dillon say it, and I think it's quite cool. So it's risk and reward. We obviously gambled on being able to shut them down there, but there might be times this season when you get caught out like that. But yesterday, we got exactly what we deserved.
0: And we got to half time, obviously. And you, you're thinking, well, we've maybe no scored, but we've no conceded, so you've always, always got a chance. And at half yeah. time, it was, I was kind of like, this is incredible stuff. Like the way we've played, the way we've defended, the way we've put our, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bodies on the line to get there. Mm-hmm. We've maybe no had two too clear cut, but we've had enough opportunities at least. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we kept them,
1: we kept them honest at yeah. the buck. but they couldn't have switch off because we were, we were. A minor threat, but we were a threat. Uh but when we got to half time, <clears throat> like everybody in the ground, I was I was happy, probably delighted that it was nothing's up. But there was a wee a we seed out thinking we have run ourselves into the ground here. I wonder if it's gonna be possible to keep up.
0: Yeah. And second half. Uh Logan Chalmers obviously got injured. Uh Adrian Sporler come on. Uh, and I'll just make this point now and then obviously um, Peter Pollock when we, again probably a bit of fatigue probably a bit of cramp or whatever he came off and he put Dan Watson on one thing I've got to say and I, I wrote this down as one of the points to raise is he got his subs both forced absolutely bang on because mm. instead of going which I think in another game he might have went for mockery and I thought it would be mockery, but he went for the pace of Sporla and Watson to really put pressure on the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And it worked immensely. In the 93rd minute, when Watson closes the boy down, the Bro. roar, you thought it scored uh, that, a goal.
1: That was just for me. That that was maybe the will but that was me. I, I just let out some sort of guttural roar. that was. I didn't care where it comes from. Same as me but at Den's I, the other year. My like, well, yours was perfect. pitched mine was more manly. <laughs> but it was it was just because like, the, wee, the wee lad come on I'm going to call him the wee man because he's he about four foot seven uh, but he just he must have just got to tell come on there, job track back chase a hand down. and he did and when he when he put that challenge in that was it was kind of summed up everything about the day mm. like boys just knocking their pan and putting herself on the line all day and it was
0: phenomenal to see and uh listen your main man, the apple of your eye, love hearts, emoji, Ian Harks, it's had a tough time, a tough time for social media, for fans, we've mentioned sometimes he's just, you know, he needs to do more in the game as a midfielder and whatever, on his 100th appearance yesterday and he'll get a shirt doing the line against Hearts, he was, was absolutely superb well I mean if depending on the COVID thing we might stick your name forward for it but whether you'll want to accept it I'm not sure uh, I, I just thought I thought it was really good and in the for the lead up to the goal uh, he blocks he intercepts the pass but so, Callum Butcher then does a Cruyff turn takes it after being Lionel Messi earlier on in the half dribbling so, so up no, knocks the ball out to, to Jamie Robson no, who sticks in a spoiler, and I, I'm thinking to myself, Jamie's away, like he is going, and he made this run a few times, but he actually made this more inside than going outside, and I mm. thought, what's going on here? And I actually heard Joe, who was doing the interviews um, after the game for for Dutv, had he thought Nicky Clark had Chester it down, whereas I mm. thought Spoiler had gave it a wee chip. It's obviously come off Stephen Davis, but I mean. Talk to us how you are feeling when that uh, was that in slow motion when that bar landed at like his feet.
1: Yeah, but like at the at the time, yeah, you're thinking, "Oh, here we we'll go." It's a half a chance because the you would have got a great view, but where I'm sitting, you're not entirely sure. Plus, big Goldson was there, and I thought he's either going to get there first because he's got big long legs, or he's going to wipe him out, and the refs going to No see it. But no, it, Robson, he's, he's took the touch and he's took it in such a way that it's kind of went a wee bit across Goulton so he can't actually get a tackle in or it is a penalty and, and then he kind of gets sent off these days or not for it but it would have been a penalty and he's just finished it like a striker would and then off he's went for a what's probably going to be an iconic celebration it was just... It was just mayhem. I was doing stairs. I was getting jumped on for boys, hugging boys, tears in my eyes. I, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, for everything that we've seen uh, last week, and the whole, the whole negativity of United social media. And I don't mean that for the official social media. I just mean people that you follow on social media. It's not been great being a United fan the last few days. Uh, and to then go and play the way we were playing and at that point actually take the lead and a game against them. Christ, it was just a wee bit too much. And it was a wee bit too much for our mate Martin as well because he, he ended up headered for his young lad. And uh, so, so as I say, I went down the stairs, turned back, got hugged for Big Ando, uh, Celebrate to be the old man. Give Andrew Ross, boy that's been on the podcast before, uh, what may Give him a hug. Went to hug Martin and uh, couldn't really go near him because he was bleeding first blood lip that his young lad had uh, put the head on him. So it was it was incredible. It really was an incredible moment, and it's one that I'll never forget for a long time. Uh, but it just but that's when you start shiting yourself every time Rangers get the bar, whether it be. In the rain box or in our box, you're just thinking like, oh, we've got something to lose now. <laughs> please, 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 just hold on. But it was, uh, it was incredible. And ov- that's the, the word of the podcast today.
0: And obviously, they, you know, they went for it. They sent on two strikers, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, couldn't find the accuracy. Didn't have the composure. You know, we kept our wits about we. And, and then the other time went up, and it was five minutes.
1: Yeah, and that was also one of the loudest boos that I've ever heard to a crowd of four and a half thousand. I don't know where he got that. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? It wasn't. I expected it, Just, and then that's maybe the conspiratorial part of my mind when it comes to the, the Gillespie teams. But I just thought we, we're going to end up with about six or seven minutes yet to play on. Uh, so 5 minutes
0: wasn't too bad in my opinion but uh, wasn't well received at all no no, it really wasn't it's certainly tactics absolutely spot on this week absolutely spot on The yeah. and I think if there's only one criticism it's probably that we maybe didn't create enough openings for clear cut chances but we've put the ball in the net we've won the game 1-0 that you would have expected especially the boys getting 10-1 on their coupons for a United win, which is just yeah. incredible, and you know, it's just it's just one of them that, given what we'd said last week, it was it was too much like the previous season. You know, did did he play too safe last week? Maybe he did. Whereas this time, it's kind of like, well, go for it, and if you get beat, at least the efforts there, or or have the effort, or have the hundred and ten percent. It was just to a man unreal yesterday, absolutely unreal and I think he said it was a monumental performance, a colossal result and you, you kind of disagree with that it really was no,
1: everything about this week was the opposite of last week from the way that we played, the way it was set up the way that we played the, the result and even the manager's post match because we were completely agreed with them and I had a few, a few comments after the game about the my take on things last week but you said ah, you'll be a wee bit happier this week can I just say last week th- that was raw because we recorded that like 30 minutes after the game and it would have been I would have been even more angry and mere scathing last week if we had a or if I had a heard the manager's comments after the match last week because the one thing I'll say is I hope that whatever happened last week regardless of what he said I hope that he learned Right, okay. That was not the right setup. We should have done a, a lot of things maybe different. Because the proof on the back of this game, anyway, is that he did look at it and he did learn. But what he was saying after the game last week was that was just—I couldn't agree with anyone. I just thought this is utterly ridiculous. You're telling me that we were—you're essentially telling me we were unlucky Ah, very good. Okay. <laughs> And that's the one... That's no that anybody would issue any advice to anyone, but any sort of managers didn't, didn't just bullshit the fans. Just didn't do it. If you truly believe that, then that's one thing. And I'm just going ahead a respectfully disagree. But when people have watched an absolute shit show on the park, didn't tell with it we were unlucky and we didn't get the rub of the green and we hemmed them in and we done this and we had the better of the play because that's not accurate. Yesterday, he was... He got everything spot on. You kinda I can't praise him enough. Whatever he's done through the week as well, it's just what it's it's been built up to produce for ninety minutes on that Saturday, and the hell team produced. There was no no weaknesses. And I can't believe that we've got to this point of the podcast. I've not even said the name Jean Do Fuchs yet. Well, because, I was just about to on the, say
0: man of the match.
1: It, of course, for me it was Jondal Fuchs. I know that it was given to Charlie Mulgrew. I don't know who got it on the TV. but And I, I hope that he stays at Tanadice forever, which he's never going to do. But when they talk about boys like Kamara, who is a good player. Kamara's a very good player. And they are about some of the fees and the figures quoted around him. I'd rather have Jean de Fuchs on the team. And that's, that's not a tangerine tinted view, I don't think. From the get-go, when he's come in, Maybe Bara in his first couple of games, and then even a, f- a few times last season when he's he's been pushed to a position and whatever uh, asked to do things that are one not really what he's used to. But yesterday, he, he makes such a difference to our team. He really does. His decision making is class. He's never likely to lose a fifty-fifty. It's just not going to happen. And he's he's not big. He, he's not a big guy, but he's so strong. He's such a good player and f- uh, you would you'd do anything to get him to stay on for an hour a couple of years at Tanadise, you really would
0: yeah, yeah and I, again, you know we've, we've picked up uh, we've picked up four yellow cards yesterday but for nothing, like I watched the bike team touch him,
1: never a yellow Paul card Paul put his and hands sure. in the air and got a book in yeah, <laughs> again never a yellow card
0: Fuchs a kind of mine, <laughs> I, I think it might have been and Mulgrew deserved this to be fair um, yeah but yeah, so man the match you go for folks, definitely. Yeah, Uh g- given there's no kiosk open, did you bring anything in for a bit of a or were we uh, nil by mouth yesterday? No, did I, I brought something for Leo, I brought any you know, of the Jaffa cake donuts
1: that you're getting, the Jonuts or whatever they're called these days. Interesting. But, uh, uh he wasn't wanting it, so I mean, it would have went to waste. Ah. so I just ate it. it would have went to waste. <laughs> Obviously, I, I, it was it was out of date. Like. One o'clock or something yesterday, so I had to eat that. Of
0: course, of course you did. Uh, Of course you did. Delicious. The Dundee United roller coaster, the steam train, whatever you want to call it, uh, off the air next week. It's the League Cup. It's a a three o'clock kick-off at Somerset Park. Uh, Tickets are on sale now, and they drew two all with Arbroath. This weekend, obviously you're looking back at, you know, Paulette and Chalmers have come off, grew was had on it in his arm after near hitting on the deck to try and clear a ball. You know, for me, if any of them are, again, what they've maybe done with Shankland, although he did look like he was a really bad limp on him, if any of them are less than 100%, wrap them in cotton wool, stick them in the stand, because <laughs> uh, we should, I mean, listen, we should have bloody enough to, to beat Air United, regardless of it's home or away. But well, uh, given you're the yeah, jinx, uh, yeah, and you've yeah, said this, you but uh, yeah, we've got to be going there full of confidence and with kind of the same, you know. Listen, if this, if he starts and Watson and Spodda are starting in place of and place a in that because they're injured, I'm alright with that. Totally alright mm-hmm. with that.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's of course we we sh- we should be full of confidence after beating a team that's in the league certainly looked unbeatable for over a season. It's. uh it's a different game altogether, or on It really is because it's a game where we're we're now the favourites. We were now the favourites yesterday. Anyone outside of Tanadice probably thought we were going to get pumped. Miss United fans probably thought we were going to get pumped yesterday. So expectation was fairly low. Uh, now, I'm not saying it's through the roof now, but the expectation is that we're going to go there and win. So it's completely different. It's uh, I kind of made the analogy last, last week where it's, to me, it's a wee bit similar to the Scotland national team where you play these big teams and you think, Christ almighty, we're going to get scudded here. And you did not do that bad. And then you come up against a San Marino or a Faroe Islands and you really, really struggle. So we're going to, have to take the game two here. And uh, it just remains to be seen if, if we're capable of doing that because as good as yesterday was, last week's still in my memory. So we've seen how good we can be. But we've seen how shite that we can be as well. So we need to find, if that's the standard that we've set, and I don't think we're going to play like that every week, the way that we played yesterday, I just know the way it usually works. But if we can, we'll be all right. Uh, but we need to be at it for the, for the first whistle again. Uh, and I'm sure that the manager, if he's worked his magic this past week, hopefully he can do the same again, leading up to the, the tie down at Somerset.
0: I think the big thing there as well, and, and obviously it was noticeable yesterday, is, there'll be United fans at the game. Yes. Which is a huge yeah. boost. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know, about kind of, these, the restrictions and regulations are they getting eased any. Is it for the next week or whenever it's getting eased? But regardless, I, I've, tickets came out through the week. Uh, I'm not sure how many we got, but mine's were purchased about three minutes after the tweet came out for United saying that tickets are on sale. So, I'm looking forward to it. I know that there's probably going to be a good few hundred United fans head down there all looking forward to it especially on the back of what happened at Tannadice on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and uh, I imagine we expect to certainly go through uh, with a good performance some more chances and a couple of extra goals and seamlessly linking into the rumour mill you never know there might be some new players Uh, but an offer for Scott McMahon for Hamilton turned down Uh, Mm. Elmari Niskanen the Finnish wingers apparently on his way Uh, two footed uh, can play on either side seems to be rapid quick so that would really give us a different outlook there Uh, Jamie Walker apparently could be signing who knows and Mark Mark McNulty is a prime target to return Uh, the elephant in the room Lauren Shankland it's had a bid in for him. From. There's a deal being worked on, and uh, for what we're led to believe, he's going to head for Belgium. Mm-hmm. I think it goes without saying we would absolutely thank him for that first season, especially that opening day. Everything about it, absolutely incredible. Uh, for for what he's for for those kind of memories, the first half, uh, first season he was there, but just last season, just just you know it just wasn't for him it was just and his goal returns probably no that bad given given what it was
1: yeah if if he if he has played his last game for us then I've got nothing but good memories of the guy he uh, he helped us win that league comfortably and then last season I mean at best we didn't play his strengths at worst <laughs> we, we bloody ruined him <laughs> or half ruined him it was uh we, we kind of wasted them last season in my opinion and I will I'll never change for that belief or opinion just because of the setup and whatever and I know that me and you talked before and I heard people saying it yesterday as well because uh, Mickey Clark was dead yesterday what he was doing <clears throat> but people were saying Shankland couldn't have played that role he probably couldn't have but that's no that's no what Shankland's in your football team for and unfortunately that's the sort of role that we were asking him to play last season all too often and we, when you do that you're never ever going to get the best out of them so if he has played his last game uh, he's come here he's done his job hopefully we'll get some sort of decent money for him he can't essentially sign for somebody for nothing in four months so that's going to be reflected in the price undoubtedly because I know after the, f- the first season in the championship there was of like two, three million or the club were only going to start talking at, the, at these sort of prices uh, you're not going to get anything like that now. That's just that's just a fact of football. It's it's not going to be anything like that, unfortunately. But uh, if we do get rid of him, we've still got Louis coming in. Uh, if he has he, injury, he's going to come back. Obviously, they're keen on McNulty. And I, I, I've saw, uh, it seems to have split opinion We a lot of fans, McNulty coming in. Some are saying, ah, I'm not wanting him back. He wasn't that great last season. Me personally, I think he's a very good player. Same. If if he's played in his position. We, uh, similar, similar to Shanklin, like if you were only watched watch him last season, you probably wouldn't have him that highly. But because we'd seen him getting played to his strengths in the season before, albeit at a slightly lower level, we know that what he was capable of. McNulty, if you play him up front, he's a good player. He's a, he, it, to me, it, it's, it's a no-brainer. He's a good player. I suppose it'll depend on how much you can get him in for. I think he's got like a season left on his deal at Reading. Yeah. I would imagine Reading are probably wanting to get rid of him because he just he just gets loaned out every season. Uh and whether or not it's another loan for us this season, I don't know. But if he was to come back and if he was to get played up front and they're than happy with that, the boy Niskan in, obviously we didn't care much about him other than his finish. He's two footed. Davey Bowman two-footed or like Zinedine Zidane two-footed what we're talking here
0: Zinedine Zidane two-footed
1: right we'll we'll take that we'll take that and uh, he's meant to have pace to burn as well so that is something that we just cry out for in our team just now a wee bit of pace Uh, Scott McMahon I don't really care much about him played for a team that got relegated and uh, well who was the other boy that we mentioned Jamie Walker I think if Jamie Walker's fit he's a good player but how often is Jamie Walker fit? Yeah. That would be that would that would be my concern to take nothing away from the guy. Uh, he he always seems to spend a lot of time on the treatment table rather than on the football pit.
0: Yeah, and of course the the final one is you know it could be Jamie Robson's final act as United player, given there's interest for Lincoln City and Sunderland mm-hmm. and him. Yeah. But I mean he's been linked for a wee while, but you know if you get that Jamie Robson that we got yesterday.
1: He, he was excellent yesterday. Yeah. He, he was absolutely excellent. There was you couldn't have fallen for anything Yeah, he got, there, there was one one time in the first half where or, or Rebo, you had a wee. He skinned a couple of boys in the box, but he's a good player. Like he he skinned skins boys regularly up here in this league. Uh, but Jamie was excellent yesterday. Really, really was. He was so good. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that.
0: one Definitely, uh, Nicky Clark is a hundredth appearance against East Fife. He was uh, given his shirt uh, to commemorate in that moment, and uh, Ian Hux will uh, get his before the Hearts game. Uh, right, still got special guests, games, goals, loads of stuff still to come. But over to uh, what I was hoping was going to be a packed loan report, but you've managed <laughs> no, no, to sneak out at your no big bastard, yeah.
1: This is a shit show of a loan report. I was I was putting it together thinking. This is embarrassingly bad this week. But anyway, we'll start on a high and it will just kind of peter out to nothing. Ross Graham at Dunfermline. It was Dunfermline at home to Partick Thistle yesterday. Big Ross has played the full 90 minutes again, uh, but hasn't had the happiest Saturday afternoon. His team were already 2 0 down by half time. And then in the 78th minute, Partick got their third of the day, courtesy of a, mm-hmm, you guessed it, Ross Graham own goal. Two poor weeks on the bounce for the big guy and he'll be hoping to get back to helping his team get some wins real soon. Kai Fotheringham at Wraith. Inverness v Wraith. This match finished 1-0 to Inverness and as Kai never got off the bench in this one, I've got nothing more to say on it. Lennon Walker at Spartans. Lennon was an unused sub in this match, a match that Spartans won 2-0 against Broomhill. He'll be hoping to see more action in the coming weeks as he officially begins his loan spell with them. Adam Hutchison at the University of Stirling. They played Cumbernauld Colts yesterday and won 6-1. Uh, but from what I could see, Adam wasn't even in the matchday squad, although it is very difficult to see anything about these teams. And finally, Rury Adams at Lothian Thistle Hutchie Vale. They lost 3-1 to Whitehill Welfare, And that is literally the only information I was able to gather for that game. I have no idea if he played, if he's even registered in time. What I do can is he's a goalkeeper. But he might have been a goalkeeper sat on his couch yesterday, for I can. So I do apologise for this loan report. It has been an absolute shambles and I'm a little bit embarrassed about it. But it's on me. On to the women's team. With the ladies starting their season today, as we record this, in a derby against Forfar Farmington, Graham Hartside added a fourth signing to their squad this past week. Rachel Todd has signed on and she is a winger. That's an actual winger wearing tangerine this year, Rondo, that has signed on from St. Johnston. Rachel joins along with Ern Katanach, Cassie Cowper, and Lauren Perry as the ladies get underway today in their Group B League Cup tie down at the RPC at Kirby. I'll be heading down there in the proceedings and both myself and Ron want to wish the team all the best for the upcoming season where they will hopefully once again be fighting for promotion come the end of the season. Good luck to them.
0: Indeed. As it stands, the Dundee United Supporters Foundation nearly 1,900 members, a massive increase since the start of last season. If you can afford it, you can join them now. Help reach the 2,000 milestone. Visit dusf.scot forward slash pledge. Uh, the United Futures lottery jackpot not be won this Friday. It is £2,000 for the next draw. But the 50 50 Elite Match Day draw was back uh, due to the current Covid regulations. It was online only. Couldn't sell any of the tickets in the ground or anything like that. First prize was £150. It went to ticket number 111887. Second prize was 50 quid 112023. And there was a bonus prize of a signed United top, I'm led to believe, which is quite a nice thing. And that went to ticket number 111904. <laughs> so, games of goals. Five points up for grabs. Mr. Magnickel claimed a full hoose last week. Uh, All you need to do is match the five players to either the amount of games they played or the goals they scored. For everyone to get correct, you get a point. The only resource allowed is the Arab Archive. The scores, as of last week, are Paul 10, Ronnie 6. Here
1: we go. (coughs) We've
0: been studying this week, Ron. Just getting my note
1: pad ready. You still reading the Arab Archive before you go to bed at night?
0: Yep. Still uh, still, still, well involved in that, yes, have to be, have to okay. know what's going Swear
1: on. You do, you do, finger on the pulse and all that.
0: Right, let's go, hit me, who have we got?
1: Right, the players' names, Paul Dixon. Yep. Ralph Millen.
0: Ralphie. Mm-hmm. Freddie Vanderhoorn. Hoorn, yep.
1: Dave Bowman. Yep, Eamon Bannon. Oh, geez, Some classics. A numbers nice spread that day. The numbers 12,
0: 205, mm-hmm.
1: 108, mm-hmm. 223, uh-huh. and 75. Oof. Over a year on though. How many of these players did you see?
0: Uh Dixon, Bowman, and probably Van der Hoorn. But no no
1: hundred percent sure probably. Well you Freddie played in that the your first game. He played in the cup final yeah. uh, against Motherwell. Freddie Van der Hoorn nightmare on Paradise Street. Was the t-shirt. Twelve. Who's the
0: twelve? Did Vanderon score twelve? Dave Bowman probably scored a bit twelve. Uh a Paul Dixon story.
1: So through the week there I was doing it Blair Drummond Safari Park. Sat at a bench, in a sandwich, tap on the shutter. Alright, big man. Is it all right if I sit beside you? Quick turn of the head. Paul Dixon standing behind us. So uh immediately I got in touch with Falkirk I uh, told him that he was plunking should have been training the day and he was looking at giraffes and lands and then he he obviously didn't get dropped for his troubles he played yesterday and he scored the winner
0: what hear, a man did you hear your tap off as usual uh, I was just getting
1: it back on for hearing it off when, uh, nah, you, you can what I'm like I can't help myself I'm ready you're ready Right, okay. What you got for me then, Rondo? Paul
0: Dixon. Mm Mm-hmm. 200. Mm Mm-hmm. 23. Okay. Ralph Milne. Yep. 75. Mm Mm-hmm. Freddie van der Can it be 108? It's got to be, Mayor. It's got to be. He was there for years. 205. Mm-hmm. Eamon Bannon. 100 and whatever it was. 108 or something. 108 is it? was the number, yeah. And Dave Bowman, by default, must be left on what, 12 goals?
1: 12 goals. I can tell you. <sighs> one, two, Eamon Bannon did indeed score 108 goals from his 440 appearances. Mm-hmm. Dave Bowman did score 12 goals in his 429 appearances. Dees, dees. Paul Dixon uh, played 223 times, ooh, picked ooh, up 224 bookings. <laughs> <laughs> so, and one red card. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Freddie van der Heern, Played 205 times and For the full house Ralphie Mellon Scored 75 goals That's not bad, All of them world class Pretty much guesses for at least 3 of them I thought it would be a widespread I, you were, I thought you were generous Last week with me, so,
0: so I would reciprocate. Oh,
1: nice. Well played
0: well played he didn't mean it but fair enough Uh, a cult hero mug and tear on sale at dodefoxpodcast.com the Jamatulski gear looking class as it does but you can get yours online as well don't forget you can sign up using the link in our bio for our newsletter Uh, just head to any of our social media we are at dodefoxpodcast right our guest this week was involved in one of Scottish football's more bizarre moments when he was denied a hat-trick in February 1993 against Partick Thistle at Firhill So our guest this week on the podcast he made 144 appearances scored 40 goals signing way back in 1986 Paddy Connolly is our guest how are you Paddy?
2: I'm good Ronnie thanks for welcoming me on
0: Yeah no problem at all it's, it's a pleasure um, first thing we like to do with our guests we do it every time we've got someone on could you take us right back to the very start and how football became involved in your life, the first time you remember either kicking a ball or going to a game or any of your earliest memories?
2: Uh, well, I think that like most most guys playing football be back to primary school, just playing in the primary school team probably at the age of seven or eight, um, you know, back to back to the ass pitches. Um, and, you know, thoroughly enjoying my, playing in the school team at that time. The, the one player that... Uh, went on to play professionally as well we went to school with right through primary school was a lad called John Spencer I don't know if he's all remember him when when so, nice played, you. so me and young Spenny were friends way back then and both then tried to progress and make our way up the, up the ranks in football in Glasgow back in the early 80s
0: yeah and you um, <laughs> so did you you went there. was a Hummel and Thistle was the was, it was the club well, you I'm went to I'm United but, yeah how did I'm you get I'm started there good. then
2: well, what happened was uh, playing for the school team and a lot of scouts came to watch John Spencer, believe it or not. At that time, he was the main attraction. There was there was a stack of scouts going to watch him uh, who I've just spoken about. And the United scout was there a guy called Jim Cullen and he invited me in for a trial. And it was Graham Livingston, who you've probably heard before for some of the guys who brought all the, the majority of the Glasgow guys, you know, Billy McKinley, Andy McLaren, John O'Neill, you know, the, hmm. the Central Belt guys. He brought most of them to Um and basically went from there. That was at the, that was, I think that was, sorry, I think that would have been secondary school. So that would have been about 12, 13, I was. Um, and then, you know, great, great memories at that time because we used to get invited up to Tarradice to play on the pitch before the European Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, you know, I played on the pitch at the age of 13, 14. Um, God, I can't I can't remember some of the games, but the likes of the guys you mentioned there would have been playing in the games. Heggy, Loggy, all the A guys, you know, the real sort of United players who at that mm-hmm. time, the early 80s, you know, you know, you just sort of seen the... Maybe a wee bit too early for both of these, but you know they were a, a top side and they were they were playing in the later stages of European competition, so great memories at that time and, as I say, I think at the age of 14 signed S-form and basically that was it, sort of two years S-form and then signed for Hamilton Thistle, who, as I say, Graham Livingston, who was the Dundee United connection at that time, was the manager at Hamilton Thistle, so... Uh, you know that was the link there. All the Hamilton Thistle guys, the majority of them would have been Dundee United S form players. You know that was that was the kind of a link. Uh, you know, obviously the name wasn't a link, but that was a link to Hamilton Thistle
0: Yeah, and uh, it was one thing that uh, Andy Webster mentioned us kind of last week was. Um, about as, as young players and you get that opportunity um, for, for you know to go there uh, and make your next step for, for yourself uh, and one thing you also mentioned quickly and I'll get this in right now he started as a forward and ended up as a centre half how did you manage to always stay as a forward
2: well I, I actually I actually was a right winger I was I was more of a wide player Um Probably, for whatever reason, I was maybe head down and just with by as many players as I can through primary <laughs> school and secondary school. And it wasn't until you, you get to Dundee United where you, you learn to play the game a wee bit more and the left of and, um, I think it, it, was, it was Paul Sturrock, probably, and Billy Kirkwood too would have been at that time taking their badges and taking the reserves when I was first in the reserves. And it was probably just by default. Either playing, I would play either wide, or, you know, depending on the numbers, I get flung up front and luckily enough, maybe scored the odd goal. And I just, it was definitely the United that then, I sort of through the youth teams, that's when I first played as a striker. But through through sort of a boys club, I was always a, a, a winger, you know, a right or left winger. Mm.
0: And um, when you, you get the opportunity or you're asked to sign for United, was there other teams in for you as well or was it because of this link-up it was always going to be
2: United? Yeah, yeah, a couple of uh, other offers to go full-time um, at that time. It was actually, at that time, it was Man City. There had a chance to go to Man City. Billy McNeil, believe it or not, was a manager at the time. So that's how far back... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Far back we're talking in Man City at that time. You know, you, you nothing like the Man City now. I think, they, I think, they, I don't even think they would have been in the top league at that time. And there was a connection with a scout that uh, was taking a lot of the Scottish lads down at that time. And uh, as I said, it was mainly through John Spencer. John Spencer at that age was probably one of the biggest attractions. So a lot of scouts came to our games. So that's maybe why I, you know I I'm maybe. Jumped in the coattails of Spenny for a spell, you know. Every Spenny at the age of fourteen. I mean, I don't think there was a club in Britain that wanted to try to sign him at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've, he, we've
1: we've we've heard from uh, a few players of that era before saying that, uh, like one of them being Andy McLaren, saying that Jim McLean used to actually come down in Glasgow to watch the training. D- did he ever come down when you were then the oh, training? Oh, that's
2: yeah. You know, we've gone to that as well when we did the S form training. Um, and it's, it's totally different now. When We, we used to mm-hmm. go to Vale, which was just behind Parkhead. And if Jim McLean wasn't there, it would either be Walter Smith or one of the first team players taking the session. Eamon Bannon, Paul Storrock was there. I think Heggie was doing a couple of times. So, yeah, no, it was, it was incredible the way, you know, we we thought that was normal. I mean, every time we ever played in an actual youth game where it was a gathering of we the central belt, Dundee United boys, and then we'd go up to Dundee and maybe playing a, a bounce game against the ones, you know, McKinnons and Scott Coppoles at that, that time were the same age. You know, Jim McLean was always there. I mean, and we were only, you know, you're thinking 13, 14-year-old and he, he was always at the games. Mm. Um wouldn't be wouldn't be as verbal until we'd got into full time, but yeah, no, it was incredible, and as I said, with plenty of sessions with Walter Smith and, and Paul Sturrock, so it was definitely a unique club that way. Um, when when you're you, when you're that age, you, you don't you don't see, you think all oh, the clubs are like that, you know. It's not until you get you know that I don't ever you know the way clubs are now, you know, all the managers wouldn't be able to tell you who's in their, their full time when they're under 18s so. No, that no, that's a bad thing. That's just the, the focus now is on they've, they've got a they've got a job to do, and yeah, yeah, Jim McLean uh, definitely demanded that everybody, you know, he he was a, a jack of all trades in terms of new everything in the building right through from the first team right down to the I would I would guess right as far down as maybe under 14s under 13s So um, yeah, he was it was definitely unique in that. And an, that category
1: It's just incredible. It's incredible yeah. to hear that because, as you say, and I'm no in the game at all, but that you just can't imagine that anything like that happening these days, it, it, just, it just would not yeah. happen any, yeah. anymore. Well, it was, it,
2: was a great, it was a great, you know, it was a great incentive for, for the likes so of us guys playing in the youth team. And you would see, you know, you come and see these guys, and they'd go be talking about who, who we think was going to take the session tonight, whether it be Walter Smith or, or Luggy or whatever. You know, obviously, Luggy was a an international player at that time, so mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was, it was, and as I said, that was maybe part of the deal where you know when you by the time you go full time, you're you're so hungry to try and get in that you know that the cycle of then taking the next step. But I mm-hmm. uh, believe me, when we all went full time, then we were in for a different shock. You know, <laughs> I could
0: imagine. Happened. What was it yeah. like, um, me and Jim McLean, for the first time?
2: Uh, well as I said he used to come to the, the S-form training and the, 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 a lot of the practice games then and, it, and it, you know he would never see any. you know he'd probably come in and see wee bits and bobs. but it wasn't until so you'd, you'd have met him and at that time we were in the you know you were maybe intimidated by him a wee bit because he was such this big figure in Scottish football but it wasn't until you, you know you get bent full time then that's when I seen the wrath of him and the, the man and the, the sort of <laughs> figure that it was but actually to be fair going back to you know training you know and the guys coming down and coaching I actually signed United played in the Scottish Cup semi-final 1985 at Hamden. and I signed my full-time deal it was like the apprentice deal and uh, Jim McLean invited me over to the hotel and that's you know to, meet, to see the rest of the players and they were staying in the hotel it was a Tintle First Hotel it's actually not that far from me now Outside of Glasgow, and you know, Friday night that was him. It brought my my mum and dad over. I was signing the forms, and that was that was me signing full time. That was 1985. I'd have been 15, just ready for the next season to go to go full time. So that's the way he he dealt with. It. You know, he was he was focusing on getting to the Scottish Cup final. I'm sure it was Hearts Hearts beating them in the semi, and I think it was the Hearts Aberdeen final. Um, but that you know, he's. He's focusing on his Friday night game, but he's you know, he's got me over on the Friday night as a fifteen year old kid signing for full time for the next season, you know. And you know, he would have done that with not just me, that would have been the majority of guys that uh, you know would have been signing full time, either the whatever season.
0: I think Brian Wells told us that he signed his forum a year before he could and just kept in his drawer. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well. Well, going into the full-time contracts,
2: that's a different matter. it uh, he was, like, he was like a control freak with stuff like that.
0: Um, so, what was it like going full-time then? When you when you finally got that full-time job? Yeah, essentially.
2: Yeah, well, full-time. Um, you know, it's apprenticeship. I think it's hard to think back. You know, when I'm 16, thinking that's me. I'm going to play football for the for, up until the age of 35 or whatever. At that time, you don't really think that you're making the first step. And that first season, to be, to be honest, was a bit of a shock because it was so difficult because, you're, you know, there's so many boys who get the same dream. Excuse me. Um, and I, I can't believe it now I think back. Actually, the first couple of months I was homesick. You know, homesick from Glasgow to Dundee. Uh, used to leave, get the train up with all the guys on the Monday morning, all the Central Belt guys. Uh, they would have been, at my age that time, it would have been Billy McKinley, Alec Cleland... Try to think who else would have been a, a well, big Mick McAdams. Who was a guy you never really saw. A, he was the big goalie. So there was, a, there was about five or six of us all getting that training. and we used to meet the Dundee lads for the same. Get the training up at Dundee. And that was us ready to start our, our, our full time week. Um, but then the reality set, in then you know you you had to you had to work when you when you got up that. Yeah, you know initially. I think it was three years of apprenticeship where you're doing all the jobs that, You know, all the guys would have told you, all the kit boots, the usual stuff painting <laughs> painting and scrubbing the, the changing rooms well, all the jobs, I don't think a lot of the guys do these jobs now but listen, it was a great, a great learning curve, it gave you a work ethic, you know a few, a few stepped out of line in any way which the majority of us did from time to time, listen, you would know about it um, but you know, great experience, I've got great uh, memories of that um, you know
0: what, we used to have to What was that, uh, your first pre-season like then under Jim because we've heard they can be tough
2: Yeah pre- pre-season pre-season yeah they were really really tough I, I don't think we've seen a ball for the first two weeks and um, we look at the modern day to be fair now players look after themselves a lot better during the close season I mean a lot of your guys even when they their 20s probably they've seen six weeks off as going on holiday and having a few jars, well, having a right few jars in the six weeks. But again, um, and, it, and, it, and it's, yeah, no, our, our pre-seasons were really, really tough. Um, we had sprint coaches, we had, uh, you know, uh, a running coach boy, Stuart Hogg, who set up all these, I mean, they were like, they were really for, for running athletes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond McStay, Paul McStay's brother was the same age as me meet Celtic at the time and he used to he spoke to me after it. He says he I hated playing you, because he's we always so fit. He says mm-hmm. not that he's been any better than us. He says, but he's was so much fitter on this. And we spoke about it after, but I always thought when you were youth players doing that, you would be brilliant, really fit at the start of the season and then you would kind of a dovetail a wee bit come Christmas because, you know, you just sort of ran out of ran out of gas a wee bit. But um Oh yeah,
0: pre-season was was really really tough. Yeah, I mean it's, it's some of the stories you hear just about it. But again, most people then say how fit it made you yeah. in the end for for what it was. And listen, you didn't go through the eight days appearing in Europe so much and trying to win those cups as we tried that Scottish Cup yeah. so many times. But you being a fit team, you know what I mean, and given at the time what there was two subs a lot of the time as well, so you had to be kind of fit yeah, as well. well I was-
2: Well, to be fair, Ronnie, I was a wee skinny run, so I didn't, you know, I wasn't really, I was alright, I could run, I wasn't, it never really worried me, a lot of the guys, maybe the centre-half, so were a wee bit more returned, maybe more worried about the the pre-season, you know, I've not going to name names, but there's a few there you you could think of. Uh, you know big, to be fair Big Wilshie he was he's he a fat lad but big, oh, I'm going to name him Big Clark he was one he would always be worried about pre-season you know As good as good he was you know you're going to get a good six huge. weeks
0: off that's for sure Aye, <laughs>
2: <it's a week. laughs> he'd be 11 the six weeks but uh, he'd be doing <laughs> in the, uh, the, the the old Daryl Grey hotel he's he's been lining around trying to lose a couple of pounds during <laughs> session
0: um, after once you sign obviously I mean Again, the plan's obviously for you to become a footballer. And before we get into that, was that all you were going to be? Like growing up, was that all you were going to do at school? Was there anything else you could have done, or was your dreams just set on that? No,
2: well, uh, well, sort of uh, maybe, maybe not as far back. Maybe also, maybe also as you used say, it was a year before. I was about six months before, where they promised, you know, I'd been offered this. I think it was a four-year. I think it was like a two-year apprentice for a two-year option. So you, you, you think you think that's you got a job for the rest of your life? So no, I had no plans really to do anything else. God, if I never had the football, you know, listen. Obviously, I tried, you know, try and get a job somewhere else. But no, I had no thoughts whatever. I'd, as soon as I was offered that, I was you know leave school at the first chance I got. Yeah. Um, and obviously, and, we
0: know fine well that option wasn't yours.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It was a few players thought that was their option. Yeah, but I was one of the ones that knew it was my option. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so after you know, you obviously need to dig in. It's it's hard work for a, a couple of years. Do, do you remember much of your your debut for the first team in the competitive match?
2: Uh, God. Yeah, I, I made my debut against Hearts. Yep. Uh um, Thrown in from final...
0: the start as well. Oh, what was that? Yeah, you? yeah. Oh, for the start. Aye, mm-hmm. it's who you—it's who came on for you that we, ju- we Paul oh, will was find. It,
2: was it Luggy that came on for me? He did, eh? Oh, that's well, strange because I thought it was the other way around. I thought I came on for him. Uh, it's all right. Okay, yeah. Well, I think the week before I was a sub against Hubs and I thought that was me. I thought I was going to go on as a get, get on as a sub at Easter Road and we're playing Fall me. And yeah, no, I've I've great memories that. Uh, sort of making my debut I don't think it was a great game to be honest but uh, look that front three at the time I think it was an end of season game anyway so it was maybe just a nothing game and that's why he's flung me in but that front three was Gallagher Pataline and Sturrock so that was the front three I was trying (laughs) I was trying to trying to break in break into and I think I don't even know if Darren Jacks might have been there at that time as well maybe that was just before him I mean but just yeah,
0: before, yeah. just looking at the, the the team for that day, you know, Billy Thompson, Dave Neary, Paul Hegeri, Mir Pitch Morris Malpass, Billy McKinley, Mixu, Dave Bowman, Jim McAnally Kevin Gallagher, Paddy Conley, and the two subs, John Clark and Paul Sturrock it's, it, no, it's no bad company, is it? It's no bad company.
2: Oh gosh, guys, that's that's a brilliant team my.
0: How how did we know when? Oh, it was nil-nil. It seemed well, to be a point. It, right? oh, I didn't know
2: what buddy. I went to see team with the heart.
0: It was the Hearts team that day? Uh, hearts Eamon team. Bunnan. Eamon uh, Bannon. was in it. Henry Smith, Alan McLaren, Tosh McKinley, Dave McPherson, Neil Berry, Craig Levine, John Cahoon, Ian Ferguson, Mike Galloway, Kenny Black, who missed a penalty, and Eamon Bannon.
2: No oh, bad. Okay. No bad. Yeah, played as well. won uh, Yeah, side you know Yeah, that, that side... Uh, you go through that team, yeah. It's a brilliant team. You could maybe argue that some of them were coming towards the end. I think lights up. I think Hege, that might have been Hege's last. Maybe had another season after that. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, but but getting back to getting back to my first season full time. The first season I was full time was 86-87. and that's when they go to the cup final and the UEFA cup final. I mean, you know, that was you know. Albeit it was delighted that it was full time. I'm thinking, how am I going to how am I going to get any this team? You know, as I say, they, you know the three players that you mentioned there: Sturrock, Gallagher, and Pataline. And, um, and he, wasn't, he wasn't even happy with that. He ended up still went out and signed another two or three strikers after that. So yeah, it was tough, tough to get into the, the team. I Maybe mean, I was just fortunate that it was an end of season game, and he's. And he's, he's gave him a debut that
0: season. Yeah, I must give you a taste for it, though, when you get the debut, although it is the last game of the season, but you've then got the summer, six weeks, didn't he? Too many beers. And then yeah. you try and hit the ground running. And then you do start, I mean, you make 20 appearances the next season, you get some goals. So it's starting to progress for you then, yeah. in 89-90 it would have been. 89 90. Yeah. God, I How did we do that
2: season? I think that, I think I never...
0: Well, you got your first you goals remember? against Celtic in kind a of 2 0 yeah. victory. I you remember your first goal. First goals, January nineteen
2: ninety. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I remember the. I remember the first goals. But I mean, that was January. So it's halfway through the season before I, before I get my first goal. So obviously <laughs> they're upping it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's. And uh, I think who else would have been. I, f- I think Luggy did Luggy have, had retired by then maybe Luggy probably retired he was in the coach after then mm. uh, and, and he was still Luggy I think had a pretty serious injury at the time but he was still only 30, 30 31 he was young by yeah
1: by then he was young Dan, Dan Jackson was there that season
2: so, Darren, so there you go they've signed Darren the next season um, I think they might even uh, if Hamish French would have been there that, that time
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, yeah. season. Yeah, Got my first couple of goals against Celtic. It was great memories of that day as well. Yeah, I managed to beat Celtic at Tannadice, and I was fortunate enough to get a, a couple of goals in that game. So, yeah, no, that's, that's good memories there. But when you go through the players. Actually, when I think back that that team probably should have a, should have achieved more than what it did. That's probably the only sort of disappointment. Disappointing element of that Sort of era year 89, 90, 91 uh, I think we had a few cup finals in there But just
1: never got that Certainly did We don't well, want to speak about them No party
2: It hurts It hurts a I was normally bombed out For the finals anyway So yeah Passed by Passed by
0: um, <laughs>
1: That's how we lost them That's how we
0: lost them Yeah Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean what, what happened in What happened 91 Were you injured that season Or, or were you just oh, No in favour any.
2: No, 91, 91, that, that was just, I've seen, no, I think I played quite a bit, but I was bombed out, I played, I actually played in the earlier rounds against these five where I scored, I think I scored <laughs> injury one, an injury time goal to keep us in the cup, and then uh, mm-hmm. Big Dunk made his debut in the replay, I remember that, Big Dunk made his debut in the replay and scored the winner, and with Big Dunk coming in, I was kind of bombed out after that, I think, I think he went more. He went to big dunk and Darren. That was the two main ones. So you know, and as you say, there was only two subs at that time. Mm. I'm, I'm not even sure who the third striker might have been. Might have been Frenchy. He was French at that time. Yeah, I was,
1: right. I was, yeah. I was yeah, he he play. notched a few goals around about that
2: time. Hey, uh, I was fit to play. Just aye, I, I was. You know, ninety one. I would have been available. Just wasn't selected. Uh, and but a lot of get young guys. Just with that many players fighting for the thirteen positions it was it was too so difficult mm-hmm. um, and and if you were out of form you were you were in the reserves and it was really hard to get back in so yeah uh, cause I think
0: one of one of the conversations we had with Brian Welsh was you know he I mean he said himself like he should have played that day I and mean, we never played Brian Welsh and you know I'm not saying it was nice because Brian Welsh wasn't playing the cup final but it would have helped being in the in the air defensively that day and I think that it's one of those well, decisions that.
2: He, yeah, so left, so, yeah, so Yeah, that that, that sums up weed, Jim, to be fair. I I, I I don't I don't think Brian Mills was the only bad decision he made that day. I'm pretty sure he left Badger at that day as well, didn't he? He left and he left John O'Neill out. John O'Neill was in fire that that spell. I remember that. And John O'Neill I think John O'Neill came on at half time.
0: O'Neill John O'Neill and Billy McKinley were the two subs. He did come half time for big
2: yeah, yeah. there you go. So Johnny, so, Johnny Neal and I'm sure Badger and then Welsh were, were the ones that were an unbelievable former, if I remember right. And he left them out and went with more experience. And and listen, you could um, have. Mm-hmm. But I do remember Johnny Neal should have definitely played that final. when We Dale came on and scored, I think, didn't he? Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Badger should have played as well. And he, he brought Badger and John on at half time if my memory serves
1: me right. Mm. He brought John on at half time and uh Badger came on for Remican
0: in 67 minutes. Yeah. yeah, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think like you're saying, I mean, is it is it because maybe looking back and like say uh Paul I remember I'm a bit older but was it because like you're saying there was that many players, there wasn't as many positions, but we actually the players we had were really
2: good. Yeah, uh, uh well, up Going back, as I said, I'm just looking from, from my point of view, Selfie's point of view, it was so difficult. We had so many strikers of top quality and you were looking at times, it was, as I said, it was so difficult and, and throughout the team it would have been the same. Um, we always had quite big numbers in terms of quality. But as I said, as I said before, Ronnie, it, we should have achieved so much more. That team. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the quality we did have. You know. Yeah. Like a big, big dunk, McKinley, Alec Cleland would have been coming into the team at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, top, top players, top players at that time. You know, and, and Malpass, Malpass was
1: great player,
2: standing player. You know. Uh, I think I think was N- Nary would have been away, by then, but then ninety ninety one. No, he was you know. still
1: there. No, he, he was he was still there. He was just no playing just as no much. I think. Yeah, what was yeah. uh, what was Big Dunk like, like uh, off the park and on the park? What was he like as a character?
2: No, well, actually, many Dunk, Dunk was a couple of years younger than me, so he was in the conveyor belt of. McClam. I started. I started eighty six. Big Dunk and Andy, would have started about 88, 89, something yeah. like that. Two, two or three years. Uh, no Big Dunk was the great lad all the, all the young boys love Big Dunk um, he definitely was a character actually it's strange I was watching um, uh, it was Shearer and somebody else were on talking and it was like top 10 hardest men in English football and Big Dunk was number one and I'm going kidding me on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen I, I know he's got this reputation of being a hard man and I know he's he flung the odd elbow at at centre backs, and they flung the odd punch at burglars trying to, to break into shops. I, I, I wasn't really like you to take a punch over a big fella. No
1: chance.
2: If I was going to square up to him, I'd, I'd give him a wee rabbit punch and run away. But <laughs> wasn't he, he? was. He was a really likable guy, and I, I think he's. And to be fair, I think the big man plays on the reputation of being a hard man as well. But um, you know, listen, there's a lot more harder players than him in Scotland, never mind England. So. Yeah. So uh, no, big dunk, great, great lads. Lot of time from you know when he was in the team, as he's probably know. We were all, especially young boys. but We were all on low wages, so so you relied on getting in the team and getting that win bonus. So, you know, when you're a young boy and you're in digs and you, and you get a win bonus, it was like winning the lottery. And would be fair, to big dunk, big dunk, spent his bonus and taking all the other players out or the other young boys. That's how they loved them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no he's, he's top top bloke my big fella Yeah, uh, lot of time for him but well, I I'd fancy my chances against him in a fight
0: <laughs> what was it like um, what was it like in Diggs for yourself up in Dundee
2: well Diggs first first guys I was in Diggs with where it was there was eight of us in the one Diggs believe it or not Um Davey Bowman, Jim McAnally were in the digs at the start because they'd just moved up from Coventry. Big Clark, he was in the, in the digs. Uh, well, it wasn't Alec. And then it was just other young guys, Big Mick McAdams, who was a, the young goalie at the time, had been Diggs, Martin Feeney, or younger guys that never really made the next step up to the. Uh, yeah, that was in William Street, just off the Hilton. Uh, many a times going for a game of snooker that's when you needed big dunk the Houghton Huns come chasing down the street that's what uh, that pre-season kicked in Hilton uh, William Street running away for the Hilton Huns
1: we're over 100 episodes in and nobody has mentioned the Hilton Huns until now Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I, I I mean I thought it was a bigger shock when Andy McLaren tells us he was in digs with John O'Neill and Lockheed but I mean that's hmm. that stopped that right away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would redeal a spell in Diggs we readell as well. It was The, the others uh, I digs in the, just off the Kingsway, just at the 4th Road after after William Street in Hillton. So
0: you were in Diggs for a few years then? Just until you yeah, went yeah. full time or? I
2: was in digs for, in Diggs for uh, up until I bought my first flat in Downfield 1990, so I was in Diggs for four years.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, so yeah, William Street, Kingsway, Stobbswell, digs in the Stobbswell for a, for a bit. So yeah, I know good parts of Dundee as well. Know, the,
0: I mean, <laughs> what, what were the digs like back then? Was it just someplace to stay or were well, you quite strict and structured to what you's got up to perfect Go for a game one, of snooker? The
2: one, or The one, yeah, yeah, go for a game of snooker. I mean, to be fair, that that time, I wouldn't have said we were... Getting out in the razzle and getting getting pissed up or whatever. At, at that early age, your first couple of years, that came a wee bit later in the early twenties. We used to have a a gang, of Tuesday club members that would go and meet up, and we would go go and get a, get a few drinks because we knew the Wednesday off. But uh, no, the digs. Listen, the biggest thing about the digs was we knew we was and tow with the, the landladies at the time, so we, we kind of knew about every move. So when you maybe not to step out a line in the early years. Um, aye, so the early years would have been out for a game of snooker. The um, back up the road to the digs, you know. To prefer training was that tough enemy, enemies. You wouldn't really want it to be, you know. You'd be found out right away if you turned up. Mm-hmm. Was, there a, hard, was there ever
0: hard kind hard. of any any point when I'm, I'm looking at ninety one, ninety two? You only play six games. I know you had some injuries during that season, but is there any time you think I need to go? Like would you, or do you knock on the manager's door or are you oh, yeah, too scared yeah. to knock on his door?
2: Uh, no, no. I, I, there was plenty of times that I, you know I'd chap on his door, you know, about getting game time. You know, if I'm not getting game time, it's time to go out and loan. And he he always, he always just sort of made excuses about you know he always wanted you there just in case. So that was a disappointing thing. Uh, no, no, I, I chapped his door many a times. Hmm. Uh, to, to try and get out on loan, it was, it was quite difficult to get out on loan at that the, the times. Uh, but plenty of times when I walked down backwards, they would just kick my ass back out the door. But, <laughs> but uh, no, 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 definitely coming coming to the end. It was you know struggling to get game time it became it became a problem for me. That was that was uh, one of the main reasons. You know, I would put I push to leave at yeah. that time.
0: So, I mean, uh, I, I'm looking at 91, 92, going on the infamous contracts. You know, if you're only earning yeah. 200 quid a week and you're not playing for a win bonus, it can't be much fun. You know well, what
2: that, I mean? That, that, that was the biggest problem. But at the end of the day, we signed the contracts. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, we signed the contracts under duress. We, we Jim, we Jim made you sign the contracts, or you were you were you know, paying the terracing for the, for the next six months.
0: And what were you on? Six years? Were a six-year option or something?
2: Well, I, you know what? It sounds strange now when I think back, Ronnie, I can't even the last contract I had was a ridiculous contract and it was, I think the highest wage I was on was maybe 250. Mm. So if you're not the team, and at that time, I had I'd my, I'd, by that time when I'd bought a flat in Dundee, I'd, I I'd a partner and I'd my first kid, my first kid when I was 20. So, mm. If you're if you're not on that team and you're not earning a bonus, you know life's mm-hmm. tough. Interest rates in nineteen ninety were thirteen and a half percent. <laughs> <laughs> even, even even though I was in a one bedroom ducat in Downfield, it was it was still hard to pay a mortgage. So, but listen, it was tough times. And and if you stepped out of line, you were lucky to get your two hundred and fifty quid because he would find a way to get that off you as well. So mm-hmm. that so that was that was definitely an issue for all the younger ones. We were definitely still. Maybe bullied's know the right word because you know we, we were met, You know we're all adults at that point, and you know you need to make your own decisions in life. But that's when that, that kind of came ahead. The, the, the contract issues, and we started then trying to see other ways. If you know the likes of myself, who wasn't a regular, maybe ninety two. You know, it was not just for my own career to try and get game time, but because you know it was a struggle at that point because financially I'd. At a family at that point, they're getting a bit dark into it now. But that's that's uh, that's when he had total control of all the players at that point. And the biggest thing was he didn't. He, he always wanted to hold to the young ones for some reason. He just felt that you know he could keep them there for a rainy day because he had his own this this control of being you know totally under his spell. So and to be fair, him as ridiculous as it sounds now, and I, I signed a new contract every year for the first three years and I'm, you know my contacts were after the apprentice contact the contacts were eight years but every year he would let like, me sign another contact and give you a sign on fee but he would do it because you needed you know thought well I'm going to be here anyway so I'll take the signing on fee yeah,
0: but mm. Brian Welsh maybe tells us that
2: I mean <laughs> that was his way of when I think back now of, you know I'll just keep them sweet and give them mm. um, the, the, the likes of the more established players with no issues but you know the likes that or the established international players who were on a different level. They you know, they totally deserve they probably deserved even even more at that time as well. But but yeah, no, no, there was contract issues at that time, yeah. you know, that I, I could name you probably know all the guys that if you've had any of them on you like Sandy, Big Dunk, I think, would have been one Billy McKinley, David Hanna, all these guys that were but you know, we were probably all about the same age and we were all having the confabs of, you know, we're Uh, you know, for no getting regular games, it's time to put up a fight and try and leave, you know.
0: Yeah. Mm. You you seem to obviously right that wrong the following season, 92-93, you and Big Dunk up front, you know, you get 19 goals, you play 47 games, you know, we've mentioned what he was like, as it off the park, what was he like to play with?
2: Oh, Big Dunk, yeah, Big Dunk was unplayable um, and he was a brilliant partner partner to play with. He was uh, very unselfish, um, and, oh, listen, he, that, that season was probably my best season uh, in terms of goals return, I think, in the Premier League. So, uh, no, Dunk was drawing was uh, with, with a good understanding, you know, in terms of linking up. Um, but the disappointing thing again is, Ronnie, we never really achieved much that season. We just sort of were just on the periphery again. Um, and to be fair, you know, as ridiculous as it sounds, I probably the contract dispute the year before. He's probably off. I probably signed a new contract to start of that season for another signing an on fee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's madness.
2: But to be fair, in terms of the playing side and training, the one thing I say about Jim McLean, you know, I probably played my best football under him. In terms of he demanded, he was so demanding in terms of your training and your ability to play. Uh, I definitely played the best. Football under him, you know, and he he gave me. I, listen, any of the players, I was one of the players that took so much abuse off him. But to be fair, even that season, I would have took abuse off him most games. But you know, if I'm playing, then you know, you just had to have a fixed skin and take it. But probably by that point, he it, it gave me that much. That you know, it was in one year, not the other anyway. Mm. That, that was the thing. Man. As, long, as long as you were able to take the, the verbal abuse, then then I think you would you would do all right. You know,
0: yeah.
1: And there was another player brought, another striker brought in that season as well, actually, uh, Victor Ferreira. Victor, yeah. What, what was Victor Ferreira like? And how, I'm guessing his English wouldn't have been great. Now, I could be totally wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't great. How was how was we Jim getting on at him for game again if he wasn't going to be under? Yeah, under? well,
2: well, I remember with this South American agent that they brought in and he brought in all these players from South America. And to be honest, Paul, he brought in a, he brought in a bunch of diddies. <laughs> and Victor, Victor was the only player out the lot of them who was yeah. decent. I don't know, you should probably, you know, you don't remember, they signed three or four. We, we'd, we'd about, we must have had about 10 South Americans on trial. And half of them couldn't, you know, couldn't kick a ball. Half of them were hopeless. The other half, Victor was the, was the main one out of them mm-hmm. who was decent. But he actually signed three or four other South Americans at that time who were poor. So so we so we that, that was another thing for the younger guys like myself who were there getting paid patents and they're bringing on all these South Americans who we've gone, you know, listen they're bit any better than us. So it'd be probably the chip or shoulder about that at that time as well. So that maybe wasn't a good atmosphere at that time in terms of that, even though that you know that season was good to be fair, Victor, Victor was a was a good player. Typical South American. Uh you know. He, would, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a dirty well he wasn't a dirty player he wasn't like a hard tackling player but he was just a dirty South American with, it's, know, it's he, cultural though isn't
1: it yeah it's he, that, he, that's he, that's the
2: culture he came from. I, listen I remember I remember we went to Ibrox we went to Ibrox and they actually Spartan Ian Ferguson coming mm. off the pitch and I was like Victor you can't you know you can't do that like, well, <laughs> no.
1: go
2: away. he was like tell me to go away go away I said Victor you can't do that and it was like fuck <laughs> Twenty thousand eye books can you know, and I'm gonna telling Victor not to do that. i would probably I'd tell him I'm
1: saying to Victor given him a thumbs up. I'm like oh. <laughs> day,
2: day again, oh, listen, on we did be able to get uh iBooks that day alive. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm pretty sure he spot on Jim Duffy as well in a derby. Oh did he? Sure, yeah, well I'm sure,
2: I remember, sure he did. I remember the Ian Ferguson one which you know, which that's poor, you know, that's we do Yeah,
1: that's disgusting. Extent, but it's it's absolutely a cultural thing for him, but like he as you say, he was a good player. Maybe yeah, it's he, going back a couple of years though. Were you there when uh, we brought on board Walter Rojas?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, he he
1: was, was a dumpling.
2: He was one of the daddies I'm talking about. I, uh, actually, he was a complete dumpling. I remember playing the reserve game when he came. He came against against Aberdeen? Aye, I played I Was in that
1: game. That was it, that game.
2: <laughs> yeah, that game. Well, I played in that uh-huh. game. And the, the, the brilliant thing was, Andy played the first team, Andy McLeod played the first team that time. And he actually got dropped for the, rel- the reserves for Walter Rojas. <laughs> <laughs> he used to slaughter Andy I says you you get uh, you get dropped for Walter Rojas so then we were up Jim actually found out that all the players were saying were, I don't know how it got out but remember the, the rumour got out then that it was not Walter Rojas it was his brother they sent over ah, not.
1: Barry was, Rojas or something
2: It was couldn't he he couldn't run a message man he was you know,
1: <laughs> he was stinking
2: to be fair and, and wee Jim had so much control he got away with, he got away with it but mm-hmm. to be fair what happened was the boy Walter Road Jazz had signed a contract and we, Jim ripped the contract up and said listen chase yourself you know <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he eventually chased the agent so the agent obviously got Victor Ferreira involved and then you know he brought one good player and then brought you know, Victor and these seven diddies with him, you know.
0: <laughs> we, can't, we can't obviously mention that season we out. The goal that never was. At Bartlett Thistle. <laughs> was that that season?
2: 93, yeah. February 93.
0: What was yeah. big Les up to? No seeing anything happening. <laughs>
2: Unbelievable. I, actually, actually, John O'Neill invited me over to a golf day and Les morton was playing in it. And I, I kept having a wee look over, but I think was blinding me. I don't think he wanted to...
1: Nah, you'd probably I caught in the bar in the hole and he was saying it wasn't
2: I actually felt sorry for him because he gets slaughtered for it, didn't he? I mean, yeah. the thing was it didn't affect the outcome of the game which yeah. I always say You know. You could have had me a, a
1: hat trick that day.
2: It was a hat trick, I know, yeah. i have curse him for that but but even that day uh, I remember we, Jim, slaughtering us in the, the change room at half-time. We slaughtered, slaughtered Malpass. You'd never done enough in Malpass. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I always remember that. I'm just blaming everybody else because the referees made a howler you know Uh,
1: no I mean I I watched I watched the highlights of that game uh, last night just before speaking to yourself you were brilliant that game you won the penalty in the first minute you scored a goal that we didn't get you scored another two and then you had nothing to do with Big Dunk nearly killing the keeper for the fourth
2: goal with a big long punt out for Alan Main aye Big Dunk Big Dunk's the only guy I've ever seen out jump a goalie <laughs>
0: <laughs> he killed him. What, I mean, what <laughs> again when I, I watched the back as well earlier on the day, but the fact that you know, you hit the ball, it hits the stanchion, obviously comes out whatever yeah. But the fact he misses that, but then he also misses the defender, catch the bar, punt it up the park, so there's no he goal. Hands
1: it, he hands it, hands it to the keeper. Ah, I no mean, goal, goal
0: nae nae penalty, yeah. no red play on. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> it's it's it was Martin Clark. I know Martin Clark, Martin Clark was the defender at Andy that handed it by the goalie. Well, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, th- I think by that point, I think by that point we'd all surrounded him, didn't he? So I think his head was gone. by then, <laughs> but uh, and I think he he might. I think he may even have went to the World. But year was that ninety three. Ninety three.
0: Yes. Yeah. Les Mottram then went to the World Cup in ninety
2: four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, aye, oh, listen, he, he got a hard time for that, didn't he? But mm. listen, there's been a lot of ones like that since, isn't there? I remember. Yeah.
0: Lee Griffiths
2: had one. Yeah, uh, no, subs, uh, subs game. Yeah, there was a couple else, and obviously, what they
0: were meant to do is it would do away with stanchions and nets would get pulled back and, yeah. and whatever else. But it was a a ridiculous time when you, when you're kind of looking at that, which was just crazy. yeah um, I uh, remember this, not, Ronnie, but it was on.
2: A you, you mind? Uh, Ronnie, I managed to get a goalpost change. <laughs> that, that's
1: correct, but it was also on a question. A sport. Mind they used to hear a segment. What happened next?
2: Uh,
1: well, your goal was on it. are you? You obviously you scored the goal, and then it just stopped, and then the two panels have got to guess what happened. Are right, you
0: okay?
1: I'm pretty sure nobody got it, but why would they? <laughs> no why what? would they guess that's that ridiculous. that was what
0: happened next? Uh End. End. Obviously, season 92-93, Jim McLean steps down uh, as manager. Um, first, what? What? Are your thoughts on that? And then of the man that came in. Oh uh,
2: well, my memories of that. Well, that that was the season that I, was that the season I kind of did well with big dunk. Then that was his yeah, last. Yeah,
0: because Dunk got sold as well, didn't he?
2: Well, I tell you, I tell you, my memory of that season. Obviously, that a decent season in terms of return for goals. I played with the last game we played that season was against Aberdeen and we got beat four one. Don't know yeah. if Paul remember that. How was it again? We get beat four one and I remember him coming in the door and I was he came in the change room door and I was the first person to see it. Some of the players that I speak to they still talk about it now and he came bouncing across. If you remember he had to go into a lappy yeah. on it because the last game uh-huh. And he came bouncing across the changing room. Bearing in mind, I've had my best season never I've never played well that day. And he came pointing in my face. His last game out and he says, thanks, a fucking bunch, Conley. <laughs> <laughs> and he was hanging in my face and he turned out and he went back out the door and that's when he did his lapping on or not. <laughs> so so my, my claim to fame with me, Jim, was I'm the last one he ever gave abuse as a man. <laughs> And that was that was his that was his contribution that day when he came in. <laughs> He came bouncing across screaming at me, thanks a fucking bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, but that, that oh. was me. And I, you know uh, and that and, and to be fair, that the one thing I remember about that season, I missed one game that season. It was one season I played every game apart from one game, it was we were playing at Ibrox on a Tuesday night and we played Partick, I think it was on the Saturday, Tannadice. And he said, uh, Right, training's voluntary on Sunday. Um, and we'll see he's Monday. But he can come in voluntary on Sunday. And the ones with Sunday would go in. And I never went in on the Sunday. And he pulled me in on the Monday morning and he says to me, Who the fuck do you think you are not turning up at training yesterday? And I said, Well, you said it was voluntary. And he says, I but no for you. And he left me out of the Tuesday night game at Ibrooks. And I never. And he, uh, and, and I was actually at that time I was doing really well in terms of goals I think it was a top goal scorer at the time I can't remember if it was Malpass or Jim and he says to me listen you just need to go and apologise you're not back in the team and I had to go up and apologise to him that week to get back in the squad for the Friday I had to apologise he says look I must judge that should I instead of saying, I says, shove your team up your arse I had to go and apologise <laughs> 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 <So> that's, that's <laughs> so voluntary, voluntary training, and I never turned up for a training this Sunday. And he and he fucking dropped me for the Tuesday night game at Ibrooks. Yeah. Um, oh, I,
1: going, yeah, yeah. It's a tough yeah. And
2: and being the See, last but, one fuck off, ah, that,
1: that, that is a claim of fame. See, before we jump to the next season, uh, me and Ronnie on the podcast, we, we played a game before, Who Am I? where you would give four, you give five clues, or one week I'd give the clues, Ronnie would then hit a guess, the player. And right was obviously somebody that played for United and he had to have played 50 games and we had to have seen him as well. So, but one week, Ronnie gave me these clues and he said, right, first clue, this player was signed oh, as a Nah,
0: nah, I can't exactly what you're wanting to okay. do. Yeah. So the
1: name that I'll give you is Michael O'Neill. Now, before you say anything, Paddy, I was absolutely adamant he was a midfielder. Ronnie tells me that he was a striker. What was he signed as? <sighs>
2: back to me he was actually signed more as a kind of a wide left player I would say a bit, a bit more of like a forward player there we go definitely but, but, but listen to, to be fair I'm going to say the twoies are right so he was like a, a, a wide left player which can be a mad field player but he was uh, he'd well to be fair be shy, wouldn't he was shite wasn't he he was at United he was at
1: United but he was no, in, in general listen.
2: I'm big pals I'm, I'm like pals in the like, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> the, he didn't
1: he didn't have his best football at Tanadice
2: oh, he, 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 he actually had a very good start he had a good start that season didn't he uh, and he was another one that just caught caught the wrath of um, wee Jim but uh, mm-hmm. no M- Michael Michael and he own Billy McKinley Grant Jones are three, three ex-teammates that I still keep in touch with and it's strange because apart from their three there's not really there's some that he would maybe keep in touch with now and again but mm-hmm.
1: Big dunk will be scared of you. That's how you're going to keep in touch with him.
2: Big dunks, big dunk will be shitting himself. Don't don't ever show him this. That's that's (laughs) dirty
0: for you, McNichol. Dirty for that. so, Uh, So Jim McLean goes, what about the man that comes in? What a character. What a confident man.
2: Well, it's. What can I say about Ivan? It went from. It went from cold. to Butlins because we Jim was so driven with training, so driven with being professional. I'm not saying Ivan wasn't a professional, but it did become about a holiday camp because training was easier. And, and players been players. That's when that's when I first noticed that. You know, after a while, you're going. You, you need you need a good manager to push you and to you know certain players like me who maybe need cajole You you know, I was. I'm not saying I was the worst professional, but I was. You know, probably a, a player that was needing pushed, and I even wasn't the right manager for me to be honest. Uh, and I think the Baroque came up at his door. Try, I think he must have been shocked because the Baroque came up at his door trying to get out. And we, Jim, was still the chairman, so wee Jim, was still controlling everything, even though he was he wasn't involved in the training pitch, you know. Mm. Did, you, did you,
0: I mean, we've asked, we've asked K. Brewster direct when he was on, but do you think he felt a real pressure coming in for like a quarter of a million when we just sold Big Dunk for four million? Given that I think Jim McLean signed him and no Ivan.
2: Yeah, well, to be fair to Brewster, Brewster never lacked confidence. I would say that about him, you know, uh, I, I don't think that would have been an issue for Brewster. Mm. Uh, as it kind of approved, you know, could be some decent goals. Brewster, wouldn't he? Um, good player Yeah, a good player ah, he, Compared to Dunk big, big Brewster could not run he could, You know, he was not He, was, he, was not, he was not pace But he was a great finisher, Brewster
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he'd said it, it, it was tough to start While he was playing midfield And whatever But like you say He, he yeah. found his feet and, and got himself going What was a, what was an Ivan Golik Pre-season like then?
2: God, I, I, no, it was night and day it was night and day. I think I think we had the balls out in the second training session. I think we did some runs and then we get the balls it And we're like, you know, even we were going, we, we, we were taking the balls ways And it was like, you know, <laughs> I, he was yeah. He, it was it was totally, yeah. It was totally, you know. Well, I'm not saying the training session when, when they when they've been hard, but it was it was nothing. It was as I said, it was like I was like a light switch overnight. And we Jim we, Jim, would have been getting that fed back to him from the senior players. I've no doubt about that. I'm no, listen, I've got my ideas of who. They would have been feeding them back on, you know, the senior players. And rightly really so, if senior players are saying, listen, we need to get training sorted. So we, Jim, would have diving in saying, listen, this is no good enough. We, Jim, would have terrorised Ivan with stuff like that. Um, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I think their relationship was strained in the end. But uh, no, no, we, Jim, would have been all over Ivan. But the training was definitely... I, I, even, I even wanted to take part in the training believe it or not he was a bit well, I couldn't believe it he would probably would have been he would have thought he was the best he player could. as well yeah he could. come on I'll show you how to take free kicks alright okay <laughs> okay you know well, he never lacked confidence either yeah, <laughs> but I mean, one of the I don't know if any of the guys have told you this and obviously his first season he won the cup we, we, Jim was trying for a million years to win the Scottish Cup didn't he and Ivan won it in his first season but one of the training sessions I remember with Ivan he used to always turn up quite late to training we would be start the warm up and be ready to start training and then he would just jolly up and we Jim actually appeared on the training ground before Ivan came and he, he wheeled away Gary Boland and Alec Cleland. Well, you know what's coming next don't you mm-hmm. and, uh, and he wheeled them away it was, the, it was the training pitch down at the bottom of right down the bottom of the Kingsway can't imagine yeah it was maybe. the Gardain Gar- College Gar- yeah. I, I was
1: I was there that day sitting on the hill behind the goal. I was plonking for skill, but we'll keep that between ourselves.
2: <laughs> that right? I, I remember it. I remember, it, like like it? I remember like it was
1: yesterday. I remember like it was yesterday because I was at Craigie High, which was just right beside the the, garden, the, the Northern College, as it was called, and I can always remember them to taking part in trading and then getting called away, and then it was in no, the no,
2: the evening guy. tully
1: that night that they'd moved.
2: Yeah, moved to Rangers. We had agreed degree defeat, but, but but the best thing was Ivan. Ivan came up with the training and he's like, hey, you know, he's like, where is Gary Bowling <laughs> 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 It's in Glasgow. <laughs> I didn't even know. So that tells you the relationship that you know. As much as we jumpers was in control of you know, he he, he was not supporting his manager, which 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 caused uh, you know caused obviously friction. But they were away, they were halfway down to Glasgow by that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, um, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll get to a couple of other bits, but there's always for that season, ninety three, ninety four, two players we need to mention: Gordon Petrich and the twenty was, million man, Jaron Nixon.
2: Yeah, Jaron. Jeremy, Jaron a good lad as well. To be fair, I like Jaron, uh, but I, I, I even keep pressure on him, you know, with the price tag as well. Uh, and he was actually, he was actually a decent player. He obviously wasn't at that level, mm. but big but, but Gordon, big but Gordon was a good player. But mm. Gordon Pettich was a very good player. Um uh, yeah, I think, so I, I think
0: that, him I think he was massive for Brian Welsh. Like in Welsh he tell us that yeah. that he used to try and teach him English and, and the Ballinard and stuff like that and we were howling with well laughter when he was telling me about <laughs> it. He was just so relaxed, like slippers on, cigar out, old Petrich yeah. playing the ball, class. A real class player.
2: Well, by the way, what chances he go of Brian Walsh trying to teach him English?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: What uh, are the slaves? <laughs> well, aye, aye you'd, you'd, I've never heard a man swear on our podcast as much as him. But to be fair, he <laughs> got like up at Wilson. eight. he, oh, he got up at eight o'clock in America to speak to us, so we can't. We couldn't have had it against him. But Great guy. Uh, absolutely. Oh. Super, but um, obviously that season, we'll get to the Cup, but I need to mention, I've mentioned it loads of times in the podcast, you are very much involved in my favourite ever United goal, which is your uh, pass to Brewster in the game against Motherwell at Tannadice in the Scottish Cup, when I'm not sure how he managed to chest it that well in front of him and smash it in, but that is still one of my favourite games, even though... We threw it a while at the death. Don't okay, care what Guido was then, but uh, uh, did I get the feeling it was a special cup run, or was it Ivan's confidence that we we're just going to win it I, anyway?
2: Ivan's, yeah, you have to say Ivan's confidence obviously filtered through to the players for the cup run. But if you remember, right, and you guys probably, oh, we had a terrible season in the league. I, th- I think we just avoided relegation, but be right, yep, mm-hmm. they, yep. Yeah, uh, wasn't we was we like weren't, well, we weren't performing well in the league? Um, but the cup just seemed to galvanise us. I don't know if you know uh, if I remember him taking us away. I don't know if it was a cup semi-final or the, I, I, I wasn't involved in the final. I was bombed out again with her, but I was I was there at the cup final there, they've been in the squad. Um but I remember the away about Hamilton Racing, he's like, go and have a couple of beers and uh, just relax, enjoy it. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see if we're going to train them or I'm just going to run through set plays. This was on Thursday before me, we're all going. And to be fair, I don't think any did because we were, we were all, you know, at that point going, listen, we might have a few beers, but not on Thursday before, a, before mm-hmm. the cup final. So we, I think we were all, I, I remember it was totally, I do remember that. It was, you know, and then there was pictures in the paper, you know, the, the press had came to see me taking pictures of us at the. Hamilton Racing I could just see wee Jim probably simmering in his office I was <laughs> at Hamilton Racing enjoying ourselves you know in a, a cup final week
0: I'm sure um, Brewster tells us he went and played golf I'm sure Brewster was playing golf yeah. and everything end it was well,
2: listen it might have been it might have been the option of going golf and Hamilton Racing there was a group, who, was a group went to Hamilton Racing I'm sure Uh before it aye before the cup final that week so no listen it worked because yeah, Rangers at that point were becoming dominant weren't they the Rangers were going for were a double treble wrong. yeah they were going for a treble yeah I should sure mm-hmm. have already already won the league and um, you know the rest is history
0: how tough was it to watch for the sidelines
2: oh it was hard I, I was bombed out listen still, to be fair I still wanted the boys to win Um Still wanted the boys to win because you think you're going to cut the the win bonus as well at the first. So there was that. Uh, but oh yeah, it was tough because I was bombed out for the ninety one cup final, uh, and and then obviously ninety four as well. So yeah, yeah no, I was played uh, played a lot in these seasons. But you know, you, you want to play in the, the big games. Know, listen, you can't argue. I even maybe made the right decisions that day.
0: Uh, Andy played well that day, didn't he? Andy was one of the best. How and how was it? No, a penalty for uh, Alec Cleland <laughs> when Ali Maxwell decided to elbow drop him and lay on top of him oh, in the box.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. was yeah. less oh, more on the
0: referee? Might have been actually. No, that
2: was, at that yeah. no, that
0: was uh, Douglas Hope. Nah. Douglas Hopeless. Hope. There you right, go. Exactly.
2: Uh, <laughs> referees to be fair to him.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but again, <laughs> you know, well, you're, as
2: long as you want to playing against Rangers, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you obviously watch it on for the silence. It's, it's never easy. But did, did you see kind of what I meant? And obviously, we see it on the day. But the we always mention the Sunday celebrations, like the yeah, city square got, and pff, incredible.
2: Well, we, we back up, we all stayed in the, was it the Errol Grey Hotel? I. Guess. Yeah, 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 uh,
0: the Errol, Errol Grey uh, at the front, down the front.
2: There and that's where the big reception there, aye. So, yeah, no, I was back for that, and all the wives, you know, party. and obviously everybody's partying. So, yeah, no, good memories. Well, don't remember much yet. And then, I think most days would have been bust on the Sunday as well, so...
1: Did you end yeah. up at Welsh's house? Was you, I don't think he had... Did you end up at Welsh's house? I think he had a party. Eh... Uh,
2: would that be oh, the same
1: barbecue
2: sort of, or something I don't think I did I think we I mean, no I don't think because I had my, my mother my mother came over as well my mother was at that game so I'd have been probably looking after her mm. the last thing I'm doing is to take my mother to McGwill she's, she's for a party
1: uh, no oh, she, she would have got some nice knock off <laughs> steak
2: though that's
1: another
0: story honestly I couldn't believe what Welsh was telling us that day it was hilarious mind <laughs> you Andy McLaren was lucky to market even the next day I think he, he nearly never got into the party at night
2: Hi <laughs> yeah, uh, Andy, I
0: know uh, Boy Andy. says you're no getting in He says what do you mean? He says I ran the show the day
2: I know, Andy wasn't shy either
0: was he? he's absolutely superb uh, You mentioned obviously it Was, a, it was a, Andy on
2: yet? Andy, he was on episode
0: 9 He was the first, he was the first guest he was, loud, yeah. That was near 100 episodes ago I think he was on But he was okay. Well what, what a man! Great guy, what a man! Yeah, we'll uh, he, he he told sure. the story about uh, Jim McLean, and he the uh, they got someone like a therapist in or something, and they all went oh, in, yeah. and uh and then there was thirty quid missing out the wages. And he says, where's the thirty quid? He says, I had to buy for the therapist." <laughs> Two other wages didn't they tell them, and I just thought that's amazing. Jack Black. Like Jack that, Black, possibly. I just thought if any wee stories like that just summed up Jim McLean just to, although I've yeah. given you this but you're going to pay for it and I just thought yeah, that's yeah, just definitely
2: incredible
0: incredible, incredible. Definitely.
2: Um, that's, that's, that's typical wee Jim
0: oh, you, you mentioned obviously it wasn't a great season in the league and obviously the next season is when alarm bells really started going when we did yeah. get relegated but was this when you were really starting to fall out with United a little bit because again you didn't Where play very much you had a couple injuries oh, yeah. again
2: yeah, I think I'm... I i can not remember about injury. I think I, I broke my collarbone, I think, didn't I? So, yeah, no, I know I was, yeah, I was injured quite a bit. I think I actually started the season that... Oh, did I start that? No, sorry, sorry. It would have been the following season, the relegation. Mm-hmm. we relegated it. Had I started the next season in the championship. Um, yeah, no, I, I probably was injured and... Um, but Billy well, Kirkwood had come in by that point, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to tell any lies at this point. But you know, Kirkie would say to me, "Listen, listen. the German's saying you're not you're not involved until you you tell you take, I think I was taking, the, I was back in the contract dispute again, and I think I had lawyers involved and stuff. So he, he said, until, "Until you get take that away, that you're, you're not going to be involved." You know, so Kirkie was kind of a caught in the middle of a wee bit of that. Mm. Um, and I think eventually I think I left the next season so I so I left kind of under a cloud a wee bit but listen I had great best memories in football were at United so uh, yeah a lot of a lot of great great times
0: yeah and obviously for the you know you, you went to kind of Airdre St Johnston and whatever else Um you had a good, quite a good time at St Johnston but wh- when did the co- when did coaching come into it when did you decide that was, that was going to be your next step after playing
2: well when did that? well what happened was I I was I went mean, part time when I was 34, 35 and then I, I was, obviously I had to I was looking for a job I'm, I'm actually working construction now uh, and I went I get the offer of going part time or full time believe it or not Campbell Money gave me the offer to go, and I, t- I took the part time option because I was 30 35 at that point and and uh, it's actually my Michael O'Neill. I played a couple of seasons part time, and then Michael O'Neill got the the breaking job two thousand and eight, around about then. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come and play our coach, and that's when I kind of got the first opportunity. had to go and do the badges then. So, uh, that's kind of a really when it started, just really through opportunity with Michael O'Neill invite me and in, in me and me breaking.
0: Yeah, and if people have kind of lost touch with your what you've went on your coaching career, do you want to give us a quick round up of where it's went from two thousand eight to what you're up to these days? Two thousand
2: eight coaching career, well, yeah. I went. Uh, Michael went to Ireland after that, after two seasons, and then I went with my brother. in law Got the job at Albion Rovers, and I was Albion Rovers for I think a season and a half, and I left there because I went for a scouting job with Fulham. And I was scouting for Fulham through Billy McKinley, who was the first team coach at Fulham at the time. Um, so I was just basically covering Scotland for Fulham, and then Paul Hartley got the Alba job, and he's the next teammate from St. John'son. i went in there behind his as assistant, and I've been—I'm I'm still assistant manager now, at Alba. Yeah, to, I've been, I'm going through, through managers like, I don't know, like
1: we're jumping through managers. it? Is it there's some managers at Alloa, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. They've all, they've all seems
1: seems to be a decent stepping stone for them.
2: Yeah, they've all been on onto uh, bigger and better things, to be honest. You. I know. Mm-hmm. some learned from a lot of them as well. Uh, Jim Goodwin, Jack Ross, Paul, uh, who else? Danny, Barry Smith. Yes, I've been through Peter Grant. I mm-hmm. know Barry Ferguson, so yeah, aye, that's I know another one. Been through all these managers, so yeah, yeah no, I'm all oh, part time. I'm working in construction, so I'm quite comfortable with the way things are at the moment. So yeah, I'm still involved and still enjoying staying away from Morrison's on the Saturday afternoon to get a shot
0: i like, see, so you've been there, you've been in and around the set for for well, it'll be quite a while now. But is it still? Do you still get? Or, or, what's the different buzz that you get for standing on the touchline when you're meant to be there and know when we gym stuck you on the bench or in the stands? Yeah. What was it like for a coaching point of view for yourself?
2: Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, the best things I think, like the majority, I would say is playing. You miss playing. Are um, you still joining in the- training? Very, very, no I've been, I've been joining training I've been joining the b boxes you know, where you, but you don't need to run but as soon as as soon as soon you need to obviously just the age catches up you're on it so you can't, can't, can't get to the level of these guys so uh, no um, yeah and it's a, a different aspect now on the side you used to think when you were a player it was easy just to go and play and the manager's job's easy picks the team and that's it but when you're on the side now you need to think about the game more and how you're gonna get the best for the players, with tactics to use. So yeah, you know, gotta be about input there in terms of that and um yeah, a, a lot more thought process Because, it than what you would have thought for when you're a player. When you're a player you just go out and play and and, and kid on you listen to the manager.
1: <laughs> do you take bits? Do you take bits for your time at Tanadice when you're when you're doing the training? Do you do you say look? no like outwardly but to yourself do you think Christ we Jim had us doing these sorts of drills Yeah, no, there, that is, tonight.
2: There, is, there is a lot of we Jim stuff was old school in terms of I don't think I don't think you maybe, you need to be, be we Jim's character to be, to be able to treat players the way he did yeah. carry that out so I wouldn't you know we Jim was unique in that sense the game has definitely changed from then and listen changing rooms are a stronger place now so Mm. You go in and start trying to bully one or two players, the place will be up in arms, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I try and take some of the training stuff. Up. Strangely enough, all Jim's coaching, Jim McLean's coaching, and Gordon Wallace, who was a brilliant coach, and, and uh, Paul Sturrock were all great coaches teaching us the game. You, you try and remember stuff that they, you know, taught you in terms of coaching. Um, a lot I think now all the the coaching sessions are done in sections of the pitch Jim Jim McLean's coaching sessions were all just done in practice games just full Mm. scale practice games which is probably the best way to do it because then you're you're figuring out where you are and where you need to be and um, you know so I have to say we Jim to be fair was brilliant that way in terms of Never done a lot of coaching other than the practice games, but you kind of I knew your jobs when you were when you were asked to go out and play. Not always yeah. done right or well, but you knew what you had to try and do, you know. Yeah, well it was a
1: proper dress rehearsal if you're practicing in an actual game scenario rather than yeah. like we we twenty by twenty areas. Yeah. I, I just think sometimes we overcomplicate phases. football. No, I uh, know
2: everything's phases of play now and coaching. Oh yeah, coaching yeah. He's all done in phrases as I play and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I spoke to, I spoke with other, other United players. That's you know we think You know we always speak about me, Jim, and this brilliant tactician, and uh, you know great. And we always say, well, why? What the coaching sessions were just done in practice games, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, different either. That's what he knew best. And to be fair, he but he was uh, as I say brilliant at getting the best there. Every player, in terms of you know, every s- squeezing every bit of energy and ability out of the players that he had, he was good at that. Which is which is a hard create. There's no many managers I think that can do that now.
0: Yeah, and obviously yeah. we we need to mention your son Eden rocked up at Tannadice a little while back, uh, yeah. and he was just a young lad when he when he came in there. But again, he, he come from a good ground at Queen's Park, didn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, He'd a couple of options. He'd a couple of options, and that was the one he chose up to Tanadice, which was a tough one for him as well. And it was him and him and Andy, Andy Robertson. Mm. Believe it or not, him and Andy. That's right. Yeah. Together, yeah, him and Andy played played in the youth team together at uh, Queen's Park. albeit Andy was a year above him, so then we'd only played fleetingly. Maybe if he was moved up to Andy's age group, but then they went into the first team together, and you know, that was a decent Lawrence Lawrence as well. Yeah. I know Lawrence's family well. Lawrence's Lawrence's dad's ex-Gorbals like myself, originally from the Gorbals. Lawrence Lawrence senior. So, so they Lawrence was the same age group as Eden, and they would have played 14s through his the first team at Queen's Park. So, yeah, lastly, Aiden, Aiden enjoyed his time at uh, United as well. Obviously, just never you know never managed to get that breakthrough of getting a regular game, which to be fair, Aidan probably had similar problems to me, trying to get into the team with, with Kai Steven and Armstrong and Chifty was uh, the other guys that would have been you know, they, they, they're a decent team that, that team probably should have achieved more as well but they, they're a gold. decent team
1: Gold yeah, was there at the same gold
2: time Goldie, aye, Goldie was there that's right, sorry, aye, Goldie would have been the same age as Aidan big yeah. you know, big, uh, big uh, shooter as well yep. who Aidan mm-hmm. keeps in touch with
0: um, yeah, you'll be so,
1: coming up you'll be coming up against Aidan this year will you know we, we just I just
2: played against him on Saturday there in the, oh, the, cup, the Premier you, Cup would
0: maybe. you do boo him kick him elbow him <laughs> grass him I, into the
2: ref yeah he's uh, well they, it was a nothing game for us because it was more it ended up just like pre-season friendly for us because we couldn't qualify but they, they needed to they needed to at least they beat us in penalties you know this uh, the Premier Cup yeah. no doubt you guys will have seen some of the games in that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah they've progressed to play Aberdeen the next round so yeah uh, um, he's at Wraith now isn't he
0: he's at Wraith, oh, so oh, Wraith.
2: he's
0: just Sorry. signed for
2: Wraith, oh, yeah, he's go, yeah. Wraith so he's just signed for Wraith so we played them on Saturday obviously we all at us. so mm. I've seen him on Saturday and uh, yeah hopefully he can get back playing regular at Wraith uh, well, so they,
1: they play quite attractive football, or well, they certainly did last year. Well, they might
2: be they be a shooting style of player. Obviously, he's, mm-hmm. he's not tall. He's, he's you know he's a, he's more of a technical player. So, hopefully, no idea uh, what he gets his height fit, buddy. I know. Uh, it's his, it's his
0: Mother. His mother's a man. <laughs> 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 no, again, it's it's one a of the
2: giant. A giant at five feet. Behind.
0: <laughs> no, it's just it's well worth mentioning. Like, see, he's, he's maybe just come in just at the wrong time with her. Players that were round him but yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. You look at that eight years ago, and at least he's, he's still playing. He's still getting round, and oh I
2: know. Just I know. Well, he's done his yeah, he's done his gas. he's done his gas certificate, so he's got his he's got his gas certificate. Uh, you know, done that through the players' union and stuff like that. So hopefully, oh, yeah. I feel like something for him to fall back on, because he, he's at the age and you know, everybody realizes nobody lasts forever as well. So hmm. um,
0: and he needs to be yeah, playing. Hopefully. You know, needs to be so playing at that, that age that. he needs to be playing at that age uh,
2: yeah he needs to be playing yeah no definitely he needs to be playing he you know, realise that now he's 20 it's, God it's frightening when you say 8 years ago sorry uh, yeah he needs to be playing he's 25 now yeah 25 so yeah he needs to be playing nonny you know so Aye. Uh, but, but Lawrence to be fair Lawrence Lawrence is you know Lawrence a goal scorer hopefully Lawrence will bang the goals and again this season
0: Aye, that's, that's what we all hope I mean just uh, again, they, I mean, we've we've we had them on at the back end of the season when the pandemic hit. But when you look back at his career, bounced around some clubs, never really got the break, and then you just land on your feet. You went to air and couldn't have no score. It seemed didn't you know? sometimes it happens a wee bit later because he'd have been about twenty three at that point. So you know,
2: yeah, it just shows you. Bit, to be fair, Lawrence. Even when he bounced around the clubs, I, I spoke to Jim Goodwin strangely enough about it, I, you know, when he bounced around the clubs, he was still scoring goals. But I don't know, managers just weren't that convinced with him and then he even had a spell, he had to go on trial and he was in trial. But yeah, if, if you check Lawrence's goals per game at all these places that went in London, but I tell you, it'll not be as bad as what people think, you know, it'll be better than your majority.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um,
2: it's just that Air United, he was a goal again. You know, he was it was a goal again game for them. So it, it, that's when he really kicked on again and he he managed to get I think he he got really fat and uh, no fair play to him. I hope he kicks on for his again.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Um so Parry, just before we finish, we'd like to throw out some quick fire questions that we're not no going in there just for a, a wee bit more of a, a light hearted end to it. We'll just start things off. Again, you're playing career is behind you but this might be a coaching thing what was your go-to pre-match meal? Fish Fish
2: and beans strangely enough I thought you were going to say fish supper there that would have been a head shaker <laughs> oh, Fish and beans <laughs> Fish and beans we used to get we used to get a uh, we prefer, we used to, uh, pre-match over there it was the opposite stands at George Fox then yep. yes. Fish and beans we used to go for a pre-match over there Yeah. No, fish and beans is go-to uh, mm. oh, and, uh, the
1: best, the best player you played alongside. Uh,
2: I'll, I'll go with Big Dunk. Big Dunk's a tight partner. Um could probably argue like the Big Sash, Big Davinari, and Malpass were probably in that level. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think I do ever played in the team with I think I always played in the reserves with luggy. I think it was either you know as a sub for him or coming off as a
0: Yeah.
2: big I mean, bunk. We'll a big bunk, definitely.
0: I'm amazed we've actually not got through it, but we we mentioned it a wee bit more and this is not a question, but just for the record, your opinion, how good is Dave Neri?
2: Yeah, nah, he was he was a great lad. Uh absolute outstanding player. Um, and it's and it's strange, even you know, as established as he was. We used to even give him stick. I not, not as much as the rest is right enough, but uh, he always just seemed to do enough, didn't he? He was always just better than the you know and I, I, yeah. he used to always get in front of the striker. Instead of putting it in the stand he'd just pass it he'd pass it at the park, you know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, oh. yeah, he, he was outstanding. <laughs> outstanding player um,
0: um Paul asked you your best player you played alongside who was your toughest opponent?
2: Toughest opponent, uh, David Robertson. Definitely. David Robertson, I don't know if you remember David Robertson left back Aberdeen. Yep. The Rangers. Rangers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imagine, imagine playing under him after watching that programme on BBC Scotland. I know, I watched a wee bit
2: of it. I watched a wee bit of it. David Robertson, and probably. Uh, I played against Big, Mc, Big Alex. I, remember, I don't know if you remember but we played against Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup semi-final, nineteen nineteen. We Jim came in and says to him at the end of the game, he says, "That was men v boys. McLeish never gave you a kick so we'll so have to say Alex like McLeish." He was a good. player. Alec like McLeish and, and David Robertson.
1: Decent. Uh, the best manager that you played under.
2: Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say wee Jim as much as a shit he was at times. (laughs) But I definitely played my best football under him. Um, Yeah, so wee Jim.
0: Um, Have you fallen out with Barry Ferguson yet?
2: (laughs) Not yet, not yet. Hello, Haben. Aye, definitely. Aye. The I favorite can't, game. Can't slag him too much. I'm still employed at
1: the moment. <laughs> he'll not listen to this. Slug him how you want. Uh, <laughs> the the favorite game that you've ever played.
2: He's very reactive.
1: Uh, he's, he's Aye, very he The has husband. That that's how I was. Well, was that was that. was kind of my question that Ronnie asked. But that's that was the reason it was in there because yeah. he does seem like a a bit of a firecracker at times. He oh, could yeah. just snap that's like that. that.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Next, the next question anyway Paddy your favourite game that you ever played in
2: well I was bombed out for the cup final so I can't say any of them eh uh, god favourite game I've ever played in I would probably have to I would, I'd probably have to go back to my first goals against Celtic uh, scoring the two against Celtic my uh, first senior goals so that's the only one that really sticks out. But oh, listen, a lot of great memories and games for United. Uh, St Johnston. also, to be fair. And, um, but yeah, that's the only one I can really think of, Paul, that would...
1: would that us. us. It's not often that we can speak about beating Celtic, so that'll be us. <laughs> that. That, you chose that guy. Um,
0: <laughs> any regrets from your career?
2: Uh, oh, definitely. Oh, I have regrets. I've, I've not... Uh, probably not been professional enough probably sort of mid-twenties probably, you know, at that point uh, yeah, should have did more um, and a bit like the United teams as well regrets that we never achieved more the team in the early 90s definitely should have should have achieved more in terms of maybe no one in leagues but should have done better in the Cups um so yeah, no they regrets and uh yeah, no regrets of n- not achieving more really. I don't want to be get, get too down on
1: No, no. <laughs> too negative. No. Well, the final question, uh, how would you sum up your time at Tanadice?
2: Um definitely a roller coaster. Good memories, majority of the time. Uh as I said I've got a couple of the guys that I still keep in touch with are, you know, players from that time, um, and you know, de- definitely, definitely highs and lows. Lowe's obviously been uh, out of the team, and you know, not not playing regular enough. But no, great, great memories. As I said, uh, excuse me. I think you know all the guys will speak often enough about different sides of Jim McLean, um, but the majority of the time I enjoyed playing under him because it's definitely when I played played at my probably the peak and, I, and that was really down to him as much as I, I would you know I, you don't like admitting it so uh, mm. yeah no good, good, majority of the time good times good times at United uh, and definitely good memories great club great club but not, it's a club I always want to see do well and I know they've had their troubles from over the years we uh, would never like to see them out of the top flight but they have been as you know from time to time over the recent years so yeah majority of the time good memories
1: I hope you enjoyed that ladies and gents I can honestly say that speaking of Paddy the other week was absolutely brilliant I loved it and uh, the main takeaway for me that night and certainly Rondo because we've laughed about it a good few times since was the fact that all 5 foot 3 inches of Paddy Connolly of the opinion that big dunk is a shite bag, I'm not sure if he would say that to his face, however, because again, I wouldn't.
0: The uh, as we hit record, the very first thing Paddy he says is, Right, lads, who would take the piss out of first? <laughs> <laughs> but he was great, value really, really good. He, he said it was, was the, the first time he'd ever done anything like that, but he was he was First great. time he'd been on Zoom, great stories staying in downfield, kicking about, getting chased for the Hilton Huns. Oh, <laughs> yeah. made an appearance on the podcast as well Unreal yeah, It was absolutely brilliant <laughs> was, It was really good fun Right, on this day in association with the Arab Archive Preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club Since 2006, 9th of August Is our focus today Two games and two signings Taking you back, Paul, you'll remember this You were probably there, 1975 mm, And it was a yeah. sectional tie In the League Cup Five teenagers on their side, United, were all out to impress and did so after 20 minutes when Paul Sturrock headed them into the lead. Saints Muir latched onto a slack back pass five minutes after the break to level things up but home sub Billy Steele netted a late, winger to, uh, late winner to secure the points and finished United 2, St Johnston 1. After what was ultimately a disappointing 1-1 draw at Hope, a Queen of the South in the opening match of the Scottish Championship season, United's attention turned towards the visit of Premiership side Patrick Thistle to Tanadice in the League Cup second round in 2016. Cammie Smith was superb on the night as he netted a 20-minute hat-trick in the first half and it finished 3-1 to the good guys. Signings then. The first one's the only interview on the podcast that we didn't actually do, thanks to Paul Smirnitsky. Uh, Sandy Davy was signed on this day in 19... 19- oh, that's wrong. I've actually got the date... Totally wrong. Uh, so, the peeps, you've got 1091. i have got 1091 when we signed up. How old was Sunday Davy? How old was Sunday
1: Davy? What did you f- signing.
0: Yeah, take she a guess. When do you gloss. think it was? We signed him in 1971, did we know? Uh, you would be correct if it was uh, 10 years earlier. It was 1961. Jesus. So wow. And he went on to make 184. Appearances for United. Uh, next up, a current first team player who came through A.M. Soccer Club, but at one point uh, many thought his United career was over when he went on loan to the juniors. But he went, scored twenty three goals in four months. Now in his sixth season and on his way back to full fitness on the stage. Two thousand sixteen, we signed Louis Appery.
1: Big Louis, I'd like to get him back fit.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, right, that is it from us. The Tam Court Steam Train heads to Somerset Park next week as we face air in the Cup. How do you think we'll get on? Do let us know on social media. We're at Dode Fox Podcast. Do have a great week. Stay safe and don't forget to wash your hands and your arsehole.